Between all too early mornings and way too late nights, putting out fires and firing off new ideas, you deserve to be rewarded for growing your business. That's why American Express Blue Business Plus gives you two times membership rewards points on your first $50,000 in purchases per year. It's rewards that make running your business even more rewarding. Terms apply. Learn more at AmericanExpress.com slash Blue Dash Business Dash Plus. Amex Blue Business Plus. Built for business by American Express. Let's start the radio side so we can unlock the doors and let Bill WD-40 into the Spreaker chat. Bill's going to lube us up for tonight's show. And uh, Video Game Zombie, good to see you. And who else are we rocking here? Jenny, love you, dear. And Lurks a Lot, good to see you. And uh, where are we here? Digger Dog, always a pleasure. Pink Volo, Lily Pond, thank you for coming on in. Hi, Chili Peen. Amber's Paraworld, how you doing, Amber? Hope you're well. Blue Cruise, nice to see you. Ozzy Sue, thank you for joining us. And uh, let's see, where else are we here? Hmm. Jenny Girl, good to see you. Evan Walters, you're pissing me off, man. Just pissing me right off. Uh, Noble Patrick, thank you for joining us. Holy cow. I am Pam. I am Pam. See, I've got the note. I am Pam. You're not Pam. I am Pam. I'm Pam. I am so much Pam that I am Pamorific. Pamorific. Super Chat is open. The store is open on our website. I am Pam. And get your horns up. Let's rock. of Central British Columbia to you listening around the world. This, my friends, is Spaced Out Radio. I am your host, Dave Scott, sitting in the pa- captain's chair of SOR headquarters. We welcome you to tonight's show and our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, Talkstream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. You can follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, check out the Newswire, and uh, you know what? You can check out our swag as well. Tonight's show is brought to you by Chive Charities. Help make the world 10% happier by visiting Chive Charities today. You can find them on our website. A great show for you tonight about reality of UFOs. Marquise Williams is going to join us here momentarily. Talk about his aliens. Yeah, he's got some aliens and UFOs, and uh, it's going to be a good one tonight. Then in hour number three, we're going to head to the swamp. Swamp Dweller's got another spooky story for us. Super Duke returns for the Cryptid Report, and we'll try and squeeze in some news as well. Tonight, we take a personal journey about UFOs and ET contact. Marquise Williams is here to share his story. Growing up in New Jersey, Marquise started having experiences that were unexplainable as a kid. The occurrences continued when he moved over to Pennsylvania as an adult. Now, after having encounters with both UFOs and extraterrestrials, Marquise finds himself on a quest to find out what's going on with him 
And more importantly, what's up with the entire phenomena? It's a mystery that we all want to try and solve. Marquise Williams, thank you so much for coming on Spaced Out Radio tonight. How you doing, my friend? I am doing fantastic, and it is a pleasure to be here with you tonight. It is a, a pleasure to have you here as well. And we also want to announce to our audience right off the bat that Marquise, you're going to see him around Spaced Out Radio a lot more because he is actually going to be joining our After Hours crew with Grant, Danielle, and Big Tex, Nicholas, to be a part of the weekend crew uh, on After Hours. And you know what? The first time I met Marquise, I fell in love with this guy. Literally fell in love with this guy. He, he's a storyteller. He's a professional. And you know what? He's one of us. He's one of those experiencers that just needs to get his story out and learn about what's going on. So, Marquise, I really appreciate you joining the SOR team as well, my man. I'm excited about that. That's probably the most exciting thing I've ever had been able to announce to my my family and friends and now my audience as well. So it's it's a, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. Absolutely, man. So let's learn a little bit about you. Where where did you grow up and how did you get involved with learning about UFOs? So I was born in Trenton, New Jersey, actually, <laughs> one of the worst places um, in the country. Um, and I grew up in Manalapan, New Jersey, and Lewistown, Pennsylvania, together simultaneously. Um, my father lived in New Jersey, my, gra- my grandmother, and my mother lived in Lewistown, Pennsylvania. And so I grew up between the two of those places. Um, my first experience was in New Jersey, as a matter of fact, when I was a teenager. And that's when everything pretty much started for me. My entire journey about the paranormal and about what's more to life and um, whether or not this is just a, a physical you know, experience with our meat sack or if there's more going on out there, I really wanted to know. And uh, my first experience with the phenomenon was with a disc. Um, I was at my grandmother's house in New Jersey and I was laying down in bed and it was the middle of the night. I woke up because I saw this bright lights outside of the window. Now the window at my grandmother's house in this room was, was almost the entire wall. It was huge. You know, it was like one of those windows that like that took up almost literally from ceiling to floor, the entire wall. And when it, when there's a car that parks out front there, it will beam its lights through the window. But this night it was, there was, it was so bright it was almost like there were several cars or maybe there were police. I thought maybe the police were there for some reason because my grandmother rented out half of her house to other people. So I got up and I walked over to the window and the curtains were white. Some of them were see-through, but there was a, a solid white curtain that I pulled back to see what was giving this super, super bright light. And I noticed at the, at the grass, there was this cone at the grass on the ground and the bottom of the cone, I just stared at it for a few seconds and thought that's kind of weird. And then I followed the cone to its source, which was just above the tree line in the backyard. And I noticed as I followed the light up, it, it got smaller and smaller until it reached its source. And the source was a freaking disc. Now I'd never seen anything like this in real life. I, you know, you hear about flying saucers and UFOs and, you know, we've all heard about those things, but at that age, I never, I never thought I'd ever see one. I thought it was maybe it wasn't real or it's just like you see ghosts. People say they see ghosts and never thought this was real, but this was real. 
And I wasn't sleeping. I wasn't dreaming. I was awake. I was wide awake. I saw this thing, and it was hovering and wobbling like this, really slowly. I wasn't scared. I was just curious. And I thought to myself, wow, that's really weird. That's a, that's a disc, you know, my grandmother's backyard. And as I thought that, the light started to slowly move towards me, towards my body. And as it slowly moved towards me, I just followed it back from its source on the ground and watched it move towards me. I didn't move. Again, no fear. My only thought was that's just really weird. And when the light finally got all the way up to my body, it like hit me. Not hard, not nothing painful, just like a push. And I just blacked out. I woke up oh my. and it was several hours later. It was the most bizarre thing. I no explanation. No what I didn't know what happened. I didn't know why it happened. But after that happened, I got up and it was it, it had been morning time at this point. Um, the, the sun didn't rise just yet, so you can still see like the, the color, you know, the, the sky was still turning light. And I got up and I walked to the kitchen. And as I walked to the kitchen, my grandmother comes into the kitchen. My grandfather comes into the kitchen. My cousin who lived with us, she came to the kitchen as well. And then my uncle, who doesn't even live in the same in the same you know house, he lived in another part of the house. She, she rented that part of the house out to him. He comes up into the house as well. And we all stand there, like just standing in the kitchen. Don't say a word to each other. We don't say anything. We just stand there. And then there's an ambulance that comes from down the road. And we all just disperse and go back to bed. Now, the crazy thing about that is we, this, this house was in the middle of the woods. It was literally called Woodville. <laughs> We're in the middle of the woods. There's no one around. And somehow there's a random, at this very second, we all wake up at the same time, go into the kitchen, and an ambulance comes down. Somebody probably died. Because in that moment, we realized, like, we just, it just, something happened. All of us experienced it, and we, nobody knew why. And whenever the next, whenever we all went to bed, went back to bed and got up a few hours later, I asked my cousin, I said, did you wake up last night or did I dream that? And she said, no, we did. And I told her my experience, and she said, oh, yeah, grandmother saw, she saw an angel hovering above her bed. And in that moment, I just, there are too many bizarre coincidences for it not to be something. And not just me that experienced it. My whole family experienced something. And my grandmother experienced something even more phenomenal than what I think I experienced. And that was a hovering light that she thought was an angel over her bed. The most bizarre thing. Now, considering grandma thought this was an angel, obviously you come from a religious family. Right. Right, right. And they're Christians. So the fact that you're claiming you saw a UFO, grandma's claiming right. that she saw an angel. How did this conversation go about? It was casual. It was almost like, oh, you know, we saw somebody yesterday. Between all too early mornings and way too late nights, putting out fires and firing off new ideas, you deserve to be rewarded for growing your business. That's why American Express Blue Business Plus gives you two times membership rewards points on your first $50,000 in purchases per year. It's rewards that make running your business even more rewarding. Terms apply. Learn more at AmericanExpress.com slash Blue Dash Business Dash Plus. Amex Blue Business Plus. Built for business by American Express. Everyone says time is money, but when you're a pro, it literally is. 
every hour you spend away from the job means more money you're spending out of pocket. That's why Valspar and Lowe's are here to help with free job site delivery. Save time on your next job and get your paint delivered directly to you, totally free of charge. Made for more. Valspar. Contact your Valspar rep, a Lowe's pro, or visit valspar.com slash delivery for details or to find a rep near you. Select stores apply, 24-gallon minimum. Other restrictions apply, subject to availability. Or, you know, you, you, I don't know, you went to the store and you saw an old friend. It was just casual, like nothing. To me, I was blown away. But even my cousin, who's, who's a complete, dis, she was a complete disbeliever, not anymore. Um, she just was like, oh, yeah, grandma saw, said she saw an angel above her bed. My grandmother, she explained it like it was nothing to me. It was like nothing to anybody but me. I was the only one who thought, you guys have got to be more, like, excited about this. But nobody was. It was just me. Well, It was bizarre. Okay, so the how weird is that, that you're seeing two different things? Right. You're seeing a a light coming from a disc craft. Grandma is seeing right. what she believes is an angel of, of of godly being. I mean, this is just incredible. But it's part of the way that the phenomena seems to play with us. Yes. Yeah. Even more. So, you know, when I first started studying the phenomena, I thought it's just about craft, physical, you know, discs and cylinders, and now tic tacs. Now. Um, I didn't think of the orbs or the idea that, you know, people think about ghosts. There's a lot to that. There's poltergeist. There's, you know, there's the, the Skinwalker Ranch. There's Bigfoot, which I, to be totally honest with you, I thought was nonsense. Um, I feel bad that I thought that now. I feel really bad because people think that, I, you know, now that I, that I do this, now there were people that thought that I was crazy. And for me to think that there are other people that have experiences of crazy is disrespectful um, I have been I've been humbled by finding out that the Bigfoot is part of it. Then there's the angel experience. There's there's light beings. There's there's so much to this phenomena that you can't it's you can't limit it to just craft to just UFOs. It's so much bigger than that, and it's all connected. It's all connected, and of course the government knows about that. Very much so. So you were how old when this encounter happened? I was about um, 13 or 14 at the age when my first experience happened. Wow. And how did that change you? Like, how did you talk to your friends about that? How did you talk to your teachers, your your coaches, your the people who are close to you? Very interesting question. So before that experience, I mean, I was always kind of a strange guy. I like to read a lot. I like to study and try to understand just things. And I did dabble with, you know, astral projection and meditation and things like that as well. So I was always a weird kid. <laughs> but I, when I started to talk to my friends about it, they accepted that I had these experiences. They were, they, I was, I had really good friends, not a lot, but the ones that I had were, were very respectful to me and my experiences and they accepted them and believed me. Um, my family, however, not so much. They didn't really believe anything that I, they thought that was just crazy about it. You know, this is a kid who was just, making up things or not misinterpreting his experiences is what they thought because i also saw a demon um one at my grandmother's house as well oh my and that, yeah that was a totally uh it wasn't a, nothing that hurt me or it just something that i called it a demon i should be you know i should be clear i don't know what it was um it was a tall and this is a really bizarre thing it was a tall horned you know creature that had this really strange grin 
that this really sharp, you know, pointy teeth and its grin was really, I mean, huge, man, ear to ear, you know, Joker type grin. Now, here's the thing about this creature. Okay. When I used to wake up at my grandmother's house in the middle of the night, I was afraid to go to the bathroom because I would see this creature and this thing was fast. It would run and instantaneously from one side of the, of the hallway. And my grandmother's house was rather large at the, you know, um, cause she had built upon it to the other side of the hallway where the bathroom was around the, around the corridor, around the corner there. And it would be instantly, as soon as I would walk just to where I was about to cross, uh, turn the corner, it would be there. And it would just wrap its fingers around the corner, these really long fingers, red fingers. And it had these horns about, like at the top of its head, two of them. And it had that big smile and those beady eyes and it would just smile. And it wouldn't hurt me or do anything. It would just wrap its fingers around, look at me, and smile. And I was terrified. Yeah. Now, here's the thing about this. It, 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 was, it was bad for me. Now, when I got older, I told my daughter, my oldest daughter, about this creature. I described it. You know, that we talked about life and whether there's more going on. And she asked me these questions about ghosts and demons and all this stuff. And I talked to her about what I think and my theories and, you know, keep my mind open and don't be close-minded. Be open-minded and learn. And she, 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 I, after I told her about this experience, a few months later, months later, my daughter comes running to me and says, Daddy, 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 I found your demon. What? Now, that's, now my first thought was that this thing is tormenting my daughter. And that's, that's what I thought. I thought, oh my gosh, what did I, what did I do? Did I, did I, did I bring this into her life by talking about it? Did I, is it, is it like following me throughout my life? What did I do to my daughter? But no, no. She was on YouTube and someone drew this creature to the T exactly as I described it. And it was on freaking YouTube and it was tall. It was fast. It had the beady eyes, the long fingers, this, the, the, the really big grin. And it, was, it just was like it would like move instantaneously. On YouTube, my daughter found it. I, that's the kind of stuff that makes me realize, that, like, they're, like, what do you, like, how do you, how do you convey that to someone in a credible way? Because you can't, I can't capture it and say, hey, here, look, here's a creature. But it's an experience that not only did I have, but somebody out there had and posted on YouTube as well. That so, I mean, I'm freaking out thinking about it right now. So I apologize if I get a little excited about it, but it, it just, it was, it was bizarre. It was bizarre. That is intense. Has that demon ever come back to you? No, I haven't seen it. I've never seen it since. Never seen it since I was a kid. I think maybe, you know, I, I've, I've protected myself from those kinds of things that are scary um, with a mental block, so to speak. Because I don't want to have those experiences. And I think just like we, you know, as, as I've learned more about the phenomenon and about my life and about life itself, our consciousness does bring things into our reality. And what we open ourselves up to, if we're not strong enough mentally and spiritually or whatever, um, it can be disturbing if we don't understand what we're experiencing. So I, don't, I haven't experienced it at all. I've, I've mentally blocked that from my mind since then. So I didn't have to experience it. I do want to ask you something about it. You know, here's this creature staring at you, and you're staring at it, and it's not attacking you or anything, but it's giving you that yeah. real sinister smile. Yeah. What yeah. goes through you when you witness that? 
my thought was i just thought i was worried that it was gonna hurt me you know like is this thing gonna is it gonna bite me because its teeth were so freaking sharp its mouth was so big and i just thought is it gonna hurt me or is it going to like like is it gonna stand in front of me and get really close to me my biggest fear was more that it was going to it was just going to get really really close and i would be overwhelmed with terror that was my fear and I didn't more than more than it hurting me was was the terror that I would experience, because I always believe that these creatures, whatever they are, they don't they don't necessarily cause physical harm. They just they just have an effect on our life and our and our just our experience. I don't I don't feel like they all they hurt us necessarily. I don't know, though. That's just my my experience. So to speak, you know. Oh, that's that's just so wrong, man. That is so wrong. We're talking with Marquise Williams tonight. On Spaced Out Radio, we got five minutes before we have to go to break. At the bottom of the hour, Marquise. So, I mean, at this time, you're a young man, you know, going through your teenage years. You've had a UFO experience. You've now had a demon staring at you, giving you the sinister smile with giant teeth. Uh, you know, uh, at what point did, did you start questioning your own sanity or whether or not you were seeing what you were seeing? Well, the point that I got to where I started questioning my experiences and whether or not they were real was when I asked for projected for the first time. Um, and I haven't done it since because I didn't like it. <laughs> um, and I saw a shadow figure. So th- this is what, you know, this is the kind of stuff that makes you, it, it just, it really opens you up to know it, to, to believing that there's more than what we see on a day-to-day basis. There is more. But I did question whether or not maybe maybe it's in my head. Maybe I'm going crazy. Maybe there's something wrong with me. Maybe I have schizophrenia. But it's not. It wasn't persistent. You know these these experiences. If they were schizophrenia or a sickness, that sickness would bleed into other areas of my life. I maybe wouldn't be able to be as functional as a person, or at least it would be there would be more prevalent. There would be more of them. But they weren't. They were just fleeting experiences. They were only once here, once there. It was like sometimes. And a lot of times they were initiated by my meditation or by me trying out something from the occult, you know, these, these spiritual practices, these, these mindful practices that I wanted to know what we could do, what the limits of my, my you know, human experience could be. Um, I initiated them. So I realized that it wasn't, it wasn't psychosis or schizophrenia. It was, it was me opening myself up to these experiences. So, did you? I don't think I'm crazy. <laughs> no, no, no. And, and the fact that your first experience happened with your grandmother, had anybody else in your family seen that demon? Nobody's seen it. Nobody else has seen it. Not that I. I now, here's the thing: they don't they don't talk about it. Um, they're not as open to talking about those things. They never were as I was. So it's possible they did, but they never they never described it to me. So I I don't know. Between all too early mornings and way too late nights, putting out fires and firing off new ideas, you deserve to be rewarded for growing your business. That's why American Express Blue Business Plus gives you two times membership rewards points on your first $50,000 in purchases per year. It's rewards that make running your business even more rewarding. Terms apply. Learn more at AmericanExpress.com slash blue dash business dash plus. Amex Blue Business Plus. Built for business by American Express. Ah. 
Want to avoid boat engine problems? Pick up a can of Marine Pro from the makers of Seafoam Motor Treatment. Just pour it in. Marine Pro works to help engines start faster, run smoother, and last longer. Protecting your boat engine investment has never been this easy. Marine Pro, complete marine fuel system treatment. Ask for Marine Pro wherever marine products are sold. Safe home! I don't know. My grandmother's the only one that's had experiences, and hers have always been positive. She's, she's always had positive experiences. So why do you think that part happened to you? I think that whenever being untrained, but still, at it, especially as a kid, you know, trying to trying to open myself up to these experiences with volition, with no experience, no knowledge of how to do it properly, was probably why I had the negative experiences. Now, the UFO one, I, I don't know why that happened. I think that's separate from like the shadow and the shadow figure and the, and the demon figure. I think that is separate from the ufo experience because i didn't do anything to initiate that that just happened that just happened to me i don't know how and that was just the first time the second time was even more bizarre okay so here you are you're a young man you're you're going through all of these experiences that most of your your friends and your counterparts have no inclination of what you're going through but you're already admitted that you're the weirdo of the group which I, which I, <laughs> yeah, which I like, yeah. by the way, yeah, I, I can enjoy that. You know, at some point in your life, did it start to to become a little bit more frequent? So we got about ninety seconds to go. As a matter of fact, it it lessened, um, and the reason is because I was af- I had been afraid to have the experiences um, because my mind goes to a dark place. I realized that just something about me, fear is a very dominant feeling of mine when, when, when encountering these experiences. So I have put up mental blocks to protect myself from them since then, since I was a kid. Explain mental blocks. So I do a lot of affirmations and a lot of mindfulness training and a lot of meditation I have for quite some time. And I try to, I try to create, as they say, create your reality. Now we can talk about that later on. Um, what I found out about that, if you'd like, but I realized that if I if I were to focus on something and really uh, really put a lot of intention and emotions into it, I can literally create almost anything that I want to in my life to come. Now I'm still subject to life, right? We all are, but for the most part, I can still bring things that I want into my life as well. And I wanted to protect myself from those experiences, and so I do this thing where I just tell myself positive things. I give myself positive energy and I imagine that I have something protecting me like an, like an energy shield, so to speak. I know this sounds crazy. Please forgive me for sounding crazy, but it's like a, like a protective bubble. Right. So Marquise, I'm going to get you to hold on right there. We're going to learn more about the experiences of Marquise Williams, the new addition to the spaced out radio family. He'll be joining our after hours team on YouTube and his UFO experiences and some alien experiences when we return in the second half hour. Coming up next. All right. There we go. There we go. Good start to the show. Hi, Chairman Meow. How you doing? And uh, I am Pam, by the way. Dirty filth. What you got going on down there? Oh, you know, New Year's cartoon. 
Oh, yeah? Very yes. nice. Very nice. How's the cats? How's Blob? Blob's great. Whiskey's grumpy. And the gremlin and the gargoyle are doing excellent. Erlam Australia, welcome to the SOR chat for the first time. Look at you joining us right there. Look at that. Glad to be here, man. Glad you're here. Sweet Donna Spencer, how you doing? Good to see you. And, uh, yeah. Uh, Pam says, nope. Nope. I am Pam. Uh, Pam. You're not Pam. I am Pam. I am Pam. Diesel girl. And Asimov, how you guys doing? TMI, Kevin, how you doing, buddy? Good to see you. I am Pam. And thank you, Steam Train Mark, for letting me know I am alive tomorrow in the future. Made it another day. This is why I love having listeners on the other side of the world. Let me know if I make it till tomorrow. It's all that matters. I am Pam. I am Pam. That's great. You're not Pam. I am Pam, Marquise. You're Marquise. No, no, I just, I'm just thinking that it's hilarious. I think that's hilarious. It's great. I love it. Or as Duke says, Pam, I am. Half Johnny, how you doing? How's the other half? Uh huh. Did Chad go on strike? Who's Chad? No idea. Charlie Wempe, how you doing from Louisville, Kentucky? That man makes a great baseball bat. Good old Charlie. Who's who's not Pam? You're not Pam. Hey Pete Libel, how you doing, buddy? I love this audience. W. David Page is is claiming, no, Dave, I am Pam. <laughs> you know, that's that's the kind of stuff that can get you blocked around here, W. David Page. <laughs> I can get you just blocked right there, maybe timed out. I'm Pam. Hi, Chris. Teen, how you doing? Still trying to figure out why you got the gap in your name. Ah, <clears throat> oh, right on, Erlam, Australia. Long-time listener. First-time caller. No, first time in the chat room saying that it, we're his go-to show for relaxing. Love it, man. Love it. Thank you that you're here. Appreciate you. YJ Overlander, how you doing, buddy? Did you get a bunch of rain up there today? Oh, Pixie Lara, you. That's going to get you banned. I had Taco Bell yesterday, and I thought of you. Oh, isn't that nice? Isn't that nice? I appreciate that. I am Pam. I haven't had a solid meal in a year. I, You know what? I feel bad for you. I do. I feel bad I for you. I got used to it. I got used to it. I mean, I, I had, for the first, like, two months, I was depressed. I would, too. I would, too. But it hasn't affected your hair and beard combination. That's the main thing. Uh, hi, Obi Flett. It's the butter. It's the... <laughs> My man, Obi Flett. You should, 
I can't wait to see you again in a few months' time in Vegas, my man. Can't wait. Uh, all right. Oh, we got you got Randy. <clears throat> That's fine. Yeah, dude. Same thing here. Same thing here. The lovely Amy WC saying hi, weirdos. Oh my God, Terry! Is your is are your horses okay, Terry? We have 40 seconds before we're about to go live. Hey, Dijon, my troll, where are you bitching about the uh, the commercials, man? Where are you? I need I need some trolling. Uh, thank you to Deb and Louie for the super chats tonight. It's a wonderful way to support what we do on this show on a nightly basis. And uh, so thank you so much. Also, you can do some shopping at spacedoutradio.com and uh, grab all your swag there. And uh, let's... Uh, Kick things off. Dirty Filth, you're looking good. And uh, let's get going here in about three seconds. I am Pam. Second half hour of Spaced Out Radio is now underway. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Dave Scott. Really appreciate earning your listening ears. I want to remind you that if you've missed portions of this show or others, check out our free archives at youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the Newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. We continue on tonight with Marquise Williams, UFOs, demons, aliens. This guy has experienced the phenomena firsthand, and he's here to tell you his stories tonight, which are creeptastically awesome. Marquise, thank you so much for joining us. It is a pleasure once again. Love it. I got to ask you, you know, here you are a teenager who's going through all this stuff. And I don't know how I would react at 15, 16, 17, 18, compared to how I reacted when my experiences started at 38. You know, I'm a more rounded person, not just physically. Okay, at 38 years old, and here you are having to deal with this while dealing through the pressures of high school and friendship and dating and cars and everything else that kind of goes along with that. I mean, uh, explain to me how you were able to to put this on your shoulders. Was it stressful for you? I'm not sure how to, I mean... Between all too early mornings and way too late nights, putting out fires and firing off new ideas, you deserve to be rewarded for growing your business. That's why American Express Blue Business Plus gives you two times membership rewards points on your first $50,000 in purchases per year. It's rewards that make running your business even more rewarding. Terms apply. Learn more at AmericanExpress.com slash blue-business-plus. Amex Blue Business Plus. Built for business by American Express. 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. The best way that I can answer that is that when I, I take an approach of like a, like a scientist, you know, I'm curious more than I am afraid, um, even though I have a lot of fear, a lot of fear. I'm, I'm very curious as well. If it's not going to kill me, then I want to know what's going on. I want to understand why. So I spent my time converting that fear into, um, into just a search for understanding. So it's, 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 it's not necessarily that I wanted to run and hide or that I wanted to, you know, I wanted to stop the experiences because I was afraid. I just wanted to know why they were happening, what's going on and what they were. That was the most important thing. What is this? What's happening? Why is it happening? So I went to the library and I spent all my time reading. And I mean, all of my, if I was out of school, I was at the library. I needed to understand. I read books about everything, the paranormal, about ghosts, about demons, about you know UFOs and aliens and anything that I can get my hands on. I needed to understand what's going on. And that's how I that's how I took that experience and that's what I did with it. I studied. Okay, so at this point where it became an addiction for you in studying the this phenomena, were your parents or your or your grandma concerned? about what you were starting to deal with? No, see, remember, when I tell you that I was weird, I was weird. Like, I, it, compared to my peers, um, I wanted to have deeper conversations. I like to have spiritual conversations. I wanted to I wanted to ask questions about the universe, about life itself, about why we're here, about what people think about, you know, about what we are. What, what are we? You know, what are we? I know we're human, but... But is there more than that? Life after death? I was already weird. So when I talk about these experiences, they just accepted it as, oh, that's just Marquise. It wasn't necessarily that this is odd or that he's, you know, should we be concerned? It was like, well, that's just how Marquise is. But um, they, so they so, were, they weren't pushing you in front of their reverend or their pastor or no, anybody like that. No, nope, not at all. Not at all. How did not you, how did you express your fear? My fear was expressed through I was uh, I was into martial arts and I would train and train and train. And then, of course, I would read. I thought that if I had if I could protect myself physically and mentally, um, that I would be OK. And so, I again, that's where the studying came into play. I thought that knowledge was a real power that understanding was real power as a kid. Right. You think you could be a wizard or you could be, a, you know, a whatever you could be. At that age, I was watching cartoons. I could be a super Saiyan, right? So what, when I was doing all these studies and all the training, I thought that that I could somehow be powerful enough to protect myself from the experiences. Um, of course, that evolved into something more mature and realistic. But that's how I, that's how I dealt, dealt with it. That's how I took it and changed it from just fear to I will overcome this. I will protect myself from this. I will be strong enough to at least defend myself again, mentally and, and emotionally and physically from these things. 
That's how I saw it. So did you feel you were maybe surrounded by spiritual warriors that were helping give you this strength? I, I felt like, I felt more like I was, it was up to me to protect myself. Like there wasn't anything out there that was going to protect me because if there was, then it would, it would have done it by now. I felt like if I were going to, if I was going to overcome these experiences and overcome these these demons and this, and these shadow figures and whatever else I was experiencing, I needed to be, I needed to, to be strong enough to protect myself. I didn't think for one moment that there was anything out there protecting me. I didn't, I didn't feel that way. Not at all. So you felt alone. I, I did. Yeah, I did. Okay. No, I don't think, I don't know if I was, but that's just how I felt. Okay. So you make the move to Pennsylvania after things slow down in your life. When did it pick up for you again? Well, um, it was when I was about 24 years old. Um, I went through a pretty bad breakup and I had my first two daughters and I was staying at my cousin's house and my cousin was a big UFO guy, but he was into David Icke, you know, the, um, I don't know if you're familiar with David Icke, oh, not, yeah. reptilians. Okay. Yeah, everybody's you know, the, a reptilian in his there. world. Right. It's, and that's what my cousin believed. He believed that everybody was a reptilian. He would, you know, would sit down and he'd be like, he would look on TV and he'd be like, yeah, that's a that's a lizard. <laughs> I'm like, dude, you're. Cr-. And at this point in my life, I had left all of that behind. UFOs and meditation, and I left it all behind because I didn't. I need. I had. I had children now, and I needed to focus on that. I needed to focus on getting my life together and and my perfect my profession. I was a fitness trainer. I needed to focus on that. I couldn't focus on any of that other thing. All those sort of things. But he, um, I had already developed a pretty strong understanding of the of the field and how to study it at that point. And he liked that. And he was writing a book. And so he wanted me to kind of help him out with the, with the writing because I was a pretty good, I was pretty good at linguistics and I did. And I dabbled in that again. I read some of the books that he had in stock. I read some of the, some of the material that he collected over the years. I didn't agree with a lot of the things that he was looking into because I don't think everybody's a lizard, but, but, uh, or that the moon, I mean, the moon might be an artificial object. I'm not sure about that one. But I don't think that it's suppressing our kundalini. So there was there is some discrepancies between our belief systems, but it was interesting. And that's when I had my second experience around that time. So take us through that. Did you know something was going to happen that day? Did you have a feeling leading up to it? I don't I'm not sure why you why you asked that question, but that is a very good question. Because so that day the day that I had the experience, we were we were working on his book that day, and we were talking about reptilians and all this David Icke and spiritual experiences that he was having and all that stuff like that. Um, the problem was is that I I I had fear. I was going through a really bad time at that time in my life, and so I I I don't know why, but I I was laying down in bed. It was about eleven thirty at night. I'll never forget this. I remember looking at the clock and thinking it's eleven thirty, because I I thought they're coming tonight and i don't know why i thought that but i I was laying i I slept in the living room at my cousin's house and i looked up and i'm going to try to describe this i hope i hope it's a good a good description there my the living room the kitchen the dining room and and they're all open it's just an open space all the way through 
Okay. It's a small apartment, right? And in the back, uh, the front door, there was a, where the living room was, I was laying on the floor right by the front door. And through the kitchen, through the dining room, through the, there's a, there's a door at the other side of the, of the house. That was a glass door you could see through. And through that was a, was a sunroom that you could also see through. It was a glass as well. And it's okay. Sorry. It's, it was a little, it's a little scary. So excuse me for kind of in this moment, kind of getting a little scared about it, but there's, there was this feeling of terror, overwhelming terror that I've, I can't even describe to you. It wasn't fear. It was terror. And I thought they're coming. I wasn't thinking about them. Why are they coming tonight? Now, in my, I always reflect on this moment and I say, you know, why did I think I, why did I think that? Did I have more experiences between now and the time before? And I know that like this, that thinking about them makes them come and they just wipe my memory. And I don't remember it. Like, I, I don't understand why I had that thought, but I did. And I looked up and I, this is, they, there were three of them. And they went straight through that black glass door, that back glass door. They didn't open a door. They didn't move anything. They just went straight through it. And they they were not walking. They were hovering. And they were doing it really slowly. And, and when I say they, I mean small, maybe three foot tall, big head, massive, large black eyes. These, these aliens, the gray aliens, they had these really tight, like, something just fell in my, in my, my, my office. That was I weird. heard that. Um, yeah, that was really freaking weird. So they were, they were, they were hovering towards me. They had these really, like, gray suits on, I, 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 like, body suits, just one piece. And they were hovering towards me, and I kept thinking, I wasn't thinking about them. Why are they coming in? I was begging, please not. Not tonight, please, please don't do this to me. Please, I'm not ready. Please don't do this. And then they slowly circled me. Oh. And they slowly tilted their heads down to me. And the reason why this is freaky is because they had that freaking large head and those big eyes. And it was like they went, they were right in front of my face and they said, don't worry, we won't hurt you. Of course. And I looked at the clock again. It, the, in my head, they didn't speak. They had this slit mouth, the tiny little noses with like little holes just like holes for, for noses, a slit for a mouth, no lips, just a slit, and no ears. And they said, don't worry, we won't hurt you, in a soft voice. And then I blacked out. I opened my, it was like blinking, and then opened my eyes, and it was 3.30 in the freaking morning. I have no idea what happened to me, to this day. And I refuse to get hypnotic regression because I'm terrified of what I might remember. I don't want to remember. I'm not ready. I'm just not ready yet in my at this point in my life to 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 recall what happened to me either time. Between all too early mornings and way too late nights, putting out fires and firing off new ideas, you deserve to be rewarded for growing your business. That's why American Express Blue Business Plus gives you two times membership rewards points on your first $50,000 in purchases per year. It's rewards that make running your business even more rewarding. Terms apply. Learn more at AmericanExpress.com slash blue dash business dash plus. Amex Blue Business Plus. Built for business by American Express. 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. That was the second time I had that experience. And I was not sleeping. I know what sleeping is. I wasn't dreaming. I wasn't having a, a lucid dream. I, I used to, I, I can do that on, I can lucid dream on purpose. I know how to do that. This was real. This was real. Oh, so, I, again, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what, and what do you do with that, right? As an adult, especially, what do I, like, what am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to tell someone now? I didn't tell anybody. Not until I met my, my fiance. I didn't tell anybody after that. I wouldn't say. So, The fact that you had a few hours of missing time and you had these aliens in your room hovering around you, giving you the telepathic message that they're not here to hurt you. I know what that message is like personally. Except I woke up on the table. And, Oof, no, and uh, it is... It is something that is freaky. You can't explain. You can't understand. Nobody knows what you're going through un- unless they've gone through it themselves. I mean, at any time during that process, have they given you any glimpses into what happened once you blacked out? I'm, I've seen nothing. Now, the thing is with me, I have a really really good ability to forget like if i don't like something in my life i will forget it on purpose it's just a defense mechanism of mine um so that so that i can protect myself emotionally from my experiences um so i think that subconsciously even if i even if you know those memories are supposed to bleed out they won't because i i practice so often Please refrain from combining the pictures. <laughs> That's a great. I love those pictures. Um, even if I, if they are supposed to bleed out, I, I'm afraid of what I might see, so I, I protect myself from that. I won't allow myself to remember. Not yet. I'm not ready. I just, I just don't think I'm ready yet. Okay, no. that that brings up an interesting point, though. Why do you feel that you are not ready? What inside of you is keeping you from learning what happened? I think that I have too much. Remember, I said earlier that there's a lot of fear in myself within myself. I think that if until I can overcome that fear within myself, then I will misinterpret my experiences um, and not have an accurate view of them. I, I I don't know what these beings are. I don't know what their intentions are. I don't know why they're here. Why they came to me. I don't know what. I don't. I don't know any of that stuff. And I think that until I am ready spiritually, mentally, whatever, you know, whatever that part of my being is, I don't think that I'm ready to even know what those experiences are. I, I wonder, for one, am I karmically ready to, to, to remember, right? What if I do it before I'm ready? What will happen to me? Will it affect me negatively? Will it give me, you know, negative mental, mental um, damage for the rest of my life? Like some people have, 
or they go crazy because of what because of how they interpret their experience. I don't know, but I don't want that to happen. I can't afford that to happen. You know, I have a pretty big family. What would happen if I were to lose it or to be affected so much that it changed me from who I am? Um, I just I would rather be ready than not be ready and something bad happen. Okay, me. but is there a fear of knowing that they may have done something to you? Oh, of course. <laughs> I'm afraid that what if they, you know, like, you mean change me, for example, or you mean like experimentation or I'm afraid. I mean, I've heard some stories, man. I mean, I've heard, I've heard some horror stories. I haven't heard, I've heard a few good ones, right? I've heard some beautiful, I drove their craft, they show me their civilization stories. That's wonderful. But I've also heard people's screams as well, remembering their experiences, them fighting off the beings, the way they look at them, the way they're, the way that, the, the greys are not the only creatures sometimes during the procedures. Sometimes it's even scarier creatures that are not friendly looking. Not that they aren't friendly, but they just don't look friendly. What would my brain do if in, if, if, if faced with those things? You know, I, I don't know. I don't know. So. Gee whiz. You know, we, we all wonder why we are chosen for these type of experiences. For you... Have have you been able to figure out what you have to offer the phenomena as to why it's chosen to kind of come after you a little bit? That's actually a good question. You know, my 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 kids they think that I'm they think that I'm they're kids, right? They they all think that that is a superhero and stuff like that. Um, but they they asked me because I've talked to my kids about it. I've told them about my experiences. No no fear, right? Tell them this is what happened, kids. This is this it's it's something's out there. They asked me because of how I think about the world. Do you think they changed you? And, you know, I, I wonder because I have an increased level of intuition. Um, not like I can see the future or that I can read minds, but that I, I have this understanding of people's intentions and the motives behind why they do what they do. That. Sometimes it isn't always as clear as I'd like it to be, but it's just different. And sometimes I can't figure out why everyone else doesn't see it. You know, like, why don't you see this thing? But it also gives me an edge in helping people see things within themselves and change things for themselves as well. Um, it's actually something that I'm well known for. I'm well, well known for being able to see things in people they don't see themselves and help them change it. See things in people, see how they can change it and help them notice things in a way that's not so jarring um, that they need to change and help them through it. Some, and I don't, I don't feel like it's something that I've learned. I feel like it's just something that I have. I also have this, this, this um, uncommon belief that the world should be better, that we should be much more loving and compassionate and empathetic towards each other. And that's another thing that I sometimes don't understand why everybody else doesn't have. Like, I feel like we're all human. Why are we not treating each other better? And I, and I have not grown up thinking that my family uh, did not teach me that about, about that level of empathy that I have today. They didn't teach me about the idea of a utopia where we love each other and to make a better society. And I know people say that we should love each other, but I mean, truly love each other. The type of forgiveness that's talking about in the Christian Bible that Christians don't follow, right? The kind of forgiveness where you turn the other cheek. I believe in that. The kind of forgiveness, the kind of acceptance and understanding where 
if somebody is is different than you or not like you or where they're evil, for example, you give them a chance to change. You know that 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 kind of forgiveness where you where a soldier asks you to carry his rucksack for one mile, you carry it for eight. That's in me. I just believe that's how we should treat each other. We should sacrifice so much more for each other. We should be more altruistic and, and again, empathetic for each other. I wonder where that came from. I wonder if they instilled that in me, if they did something to my brain where my mind just sees the world and, and humanity that way. Sometimes I wonder if that's what they did to me. Do you think, though, like, were you a more let – me, let me rephrase this we got two and a half minutes to go. Were we a, were you a more hardened type person? Because like you said, you grew up in a very rough neighborhood of New Jersey. You had to have that chip on your shoulder in order to keep your head on a swivel, you know, uh, whether it was gangs or whether it was just rough housing around or crime or, or whatever it may be. I mean, do you think you had, to go from that hardened person seeing these bad things almost uh, on a weekly basis, if not more frequent, to going where you are now, where you are now allowed to feel like a, a human being again. I think so, man. I think that well, when I grew up, I was I was much different. Trust me, my friends told me they 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 were when I first showed myself after these experiences, they they always say. Who are you? Like, how did what happened to you? You changed. Like, you're completely different than what you were. I was. I didn't use complex vocabulary. I didn't have my vocabulary was very simple, um, and I didn't try. Even though I read, I didn't try to be intelligent. I I just tried to be like everybody else. I tried to fit in. I tried to be, you know, as hood, so to speak, as I possibly could because I didn't want to be the weirdo that they said I was. Um, but again, something changed. Something just changed. I think, yes, I think they did did affect me in that way. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you think you got affected for the better then? Because you, you, sound, you sound like somebody yeah. who very much loves himself. And I don't mean that in an egotistical way. I mean that in a, in a very gracious way. Absolutely. I mean, I again, I, I as, that's why I don't want to misinterpret the phenomena in my experience because I could say it's bad, right? They took me without my permission. They scared me. They terrorized me. I could say all that. But is that really what happened? Like, is that all there is to it? It can't be because look at me. You know, it didn't mess me up. It made me this, I think. I believe it made me this, you know? It gave me a yearning to seek truth and answers and understanding and to be compassionate and, and, and to look towards altruism as the answer. So, yeah. Definitely. When we return from our break here at the top of the hour, we're going to get more into the second encounter with aliens and UFOs with Marquise. We're going to find out what he thinks now that he studies this phenomena quite frequently in trying to figure out what is going on in the world around us. Why are people having sightings? What does the government know? What are they holding back? Marquise Williams, hour number two on Spaced Out Radio. When we return, stay tuned. It's going to be a good one.
All right, my man. We are clear. Dude, that was phenomenal. <laughs> I've had some experiences, man. I don't even... I, I, I've... i um, Again, I, I used to be afraid to talk about them, but not anymore. Not anymore. Because I'm not the only one who's had experiences, so... Oh, true that. True that. Dirty filth. How you doing down there, pumpkin? Oh, you know, drawing cartoons, <laughs> painting them now. We're gonna, doing that kind of stuff. We're going to turn it over to you here because you need to tell our audience about uh, your website, your calendar, your book, and what you're going to be handing out in Vegas. I'll be right back. Well, if you go to filthy.com, you can scoop my book or my uh, calendar. I got a whole bunch of interesting stuff for me to bring to Vegas. I don't want to say too much because I don't want to ruin the surprise. But if you find me and hunt me down... I will definitely 100% give you some artwork. One of a kind. Nobody else will have one. Unless, of course, you trade somebody art cards or whatever. I don't know. You can do whatever you want with them. Use, you can even use them as a coaster if you'd like. How's your night going, Marquise? Fantastic. I'm oh, so excellent. happy to be here. I'm so happy to be here. I, I Seriously, I love your artwork. I love your artwork. <clears throat> I appreciate it. How long have you been that? I've been drawing cartoons my entire life. I'm not surprised. <laughs> it makes sense. It makes sense. I used to so fluid. I used to draw a lot more realistic <clears throat> art, and then I just kind of noticed there wasn't a lot of that Ren and Stimpy, that that slapsticky cartoons. So yeah. I kind of <laughs> took that into my own hands and. Well, John Kersfalushi is one of my favorite artists, so that's a big influence. And then I was just kind of drawing UFO stuff one day, and I I was listening to a show about Randy Kramer, Super Soldier, and then I found Spaced Out Radio, and Dave interviewed him, and I thought, this is pretty cool. And then I asked Dave if he wanted a picture, and he's like, really, you want to give me a picture? And I go, well, did Bob Bigelow own Skinwalker Ranch? <laughs> like, oh, right on so i mailed it to him then i did another one and he goes hey you want to draw cartoons for us once a week so i've been doing that since like 2019 i just realized that right now it's been quite a while and i left a bunch of my pens at my mom's house <sighs> that's all right excuse to go back and bugger <laughs> you love your mom Oh yeah, I love my mom. I love my grandma too, and I love my dad. I'm a, I'm a mama's boy for sure. So am I. Trust me. I've, I'm, I've a, I'm not afraid to admit it. You only get one mom, and I know a lot of people that don't have their mom anymore. I lost my father, but my mom is is still here. Thankfully, thank God. Sometimes I'll, I like, I know my mom works. Sometimes I'll phone her real late at night just to wake her up. She's like, Klaus, what are you doing? I'm like, what are you doing, Swindlin? She's like. I'm in bed. I'm like, just wanted to tell you, I love you. Bye. And I hang up. <laughs> my mom is, was um, one of the most wonderful people I've ever met. She seriously is. She was just like, you know, she was a very, she, you know, if anybody were to tell me that she had a, a pretty bad life, she had a really bad life, um, a bad upbringing, a bad life. Even from what I remember, she had a bad life, a rough life um, growing up and raising me almost exclusively by herself, but she somehow still showed me that she loved me. I never, I never thought my mom didn't love me. 
And given given our history and our experiences, and hearing other people, my friends who don't have their a loving family, a loving mother, I think that I got lucky. I got lucky with my parents, and my, and my father loved me as well. But he died from some really bad stuff, so he's you know. Ah, <clears throat> uh, you know, I lost my dad and my grandma and grandpa lost two of their three sons from stupid things, we'll say. And yeah, but nonetheless, I've I, I appreciate what you're saying. I understand. I'm lucky to have a family that's relatively close knit, even after all the weirdness that we've all been through and everything. Yeah, you are lucky, man. If you have, if you have a good family, a, a tight family, you're very lucky, blessed, so to speak. <clears throat> but yeah, I grew up with my mom, Edmonton housing stuff, which is like the poor man's townhouses and everything. So I was always appreciative for everything she always did for me, and I never got Super Nintendo or N64 at Christmas time or anything. It's always like, and I was everybody had RC cars, and I was the guy with the the one that was attached to it by the string and you did put six <laughs> batteries in it and wow. everyone's going off ramps and I'm walking behind it. Oh, jeez. That's all right, though. Hey, I mean, I I, I got lucky. I got a, my, my uh, the Game Boy, the original with the, the black and white, no color yet. You know, it was my oh, first 26 game. Shades of Grey Game Boy. I had, yeah, man, that, that's it. You were, <laughs> and, I, and I played Pokemon a lot. <laughs> oh, I still got my Pokemon Blue. Hey, that's, uh, Pokemon Yellow was my favorite one because you could have all of them. You could have Charizard and Blastoise and Venusaur and Pikachu. Look at Dave just shaking his head. <laughs> He's like, these teenagers talking about? <laughs> you guys are like Damn nerding out here. I love Can you Can I take guys. a bathroom break? Uh, yeah, we got about a minute here. I'll be real quick. Won't take all right. Thank you tonight. Hi, Dave. How's it going, Dave? Good, Dirty Filth. Glad you're here, buddy. Uh, thank you to Deb, Louie, Cat Chaser, Deb again, and Pam Harris. I am Pam, by the way. Hi, Amber Don Glover. Good to see you. And everyone else who's come in a little bit late, here comes uh, the second hour right now. You're listening to Spaced Out Radio with Dave Scott. Follow Dave on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio. And on Facebook, Spaced Out Radio Show. Hour number two of Spaced Out Radio is now underway. Good to have you with us. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth. Hello to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at YouTube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor. Hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Rosorial. Rosorial is your password. Use it wisely, Space Travelers, as the Clam sets the password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. Here we go. Hour number two with our guest tonight, Marquise Williams. Marquise is going to be 
added to our Spaced Out radio team on the weekends on our YouTube channel, The After Hours Show. And we're glad to have him joining Grant, Danielle, and Nick. It's going to be just a power weekend with Marquise as the addition. And we figured, you know what, we'll, we'll let him tell his story here on the show tonight. And, and an incredible series of events in his life are, have transpired. I mean, here we go from UFOs to demons to aliens. And Marquise, thank you so much for telling us your story tonight course absolutely i love at this point i love sharing my story because i know that i'm not the only one i know there are other people out there who are afraid to talk about their experience and i want people to know you don't have to be um and uh, by sharing my experience i hope that helps i think it will too man i really i really do think it will you know the the key is here i mean you've had this alien experience where they came floating on in what was your second extraterrestrial experience no, that that was that was the second one. So oh, that, okay. So sorry, excuse me. That was the second. The first time was with the disc. Was with the disc in my grandmother's backyard. Second one was with the beings that came through my. Now again, I've had other experiences that I that that I didn't see anything, but they were just the overwhelming fear. I had I've had smell the smell of. I know it's going to sound weird, but sulfur. I've had before, but that's that persistent smell of sulfur. Um, I've seen the shadow figure before, and I mean, that when it comes to experiences, I, I've I've had dreams that I that are too. I don't know. They're just too. There's something to them that I can't explain, but I know they they're they're meaningful. They're some kind of. I feel like they're some kind of contact. And that's why when I heard and learned about the idea that that consciousness is involved with this phenomena, I wonder how they, again, how else they've affected my conscience or my consciousness. Um, because there's something, there's something more than just the physical nuts and bolts, for sure. For sure. Okay, so... Between all too early mornings and way too late nights, putting out fires and firing off new ideas, you deserve to be rewarded for growing your business. That's why American Express Blue Business Plus gives you two times membership rewards points on your first $50,000 in purchases per year. It's rewards that make running your business even more rewarding. Terms apply. Learn more at AmericanExpress.com slash blue dash business dash plus. Amex Blue Business Plus. Built for business by American Express. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. With that, and I apologize for getting the two confused there. That's okay. No, it's okay. You know, with that, I mean, this has now put you on a journey of trying to figure out what is going on. Other times when you think, or maybe you were dreaming or, or you had anything, were you ever woken up with, with, with scars or scratches or or weird dreams that kind of left you uh, in a lurch wondering what was going on? There is, there's, there's one experience that I, I, I mean, 
since I'm kind of embarrassed to tell because it's going to sound weird. Not that anything else I've said isn't weird. But one time when my father was still alive, and this is again in New Jersey, um, I woke up and I had this weird like hair on my arm and it was like brown, like, like a dog, you know, like dogs, like a, I don't know, like yeah. this is brown and orange color, like a brown and orange skin, but it was a patch on my arm and it was stuck to me. It wasn't like, like you get, you know, you have maybe your hand, your arm is sticky and you get hair on your arm. It wasn't yeah. like that. It was like a patch of hair that grew on my arm. And I told my dad, I said, dad, there's this something's wrong with my arm there's like hair on it and he was my dad was you know he's he's my dad's grew up in the in the hood you know so he's like what what is this boy and he tried to rub it off but it wouldn't come off he tried to pull it off it wouldn't come off it didn't hurt me but it was just a growth of hair like a dog on my freaking arm and he joked you know you turn it into a werewolf and for 15 minutes, he's scrubbing my arm with different different things, with a wash rag, with you know paper towel, with just different things, until eventually it just it just fell off. It just slowly started to fall off on its own. I have, again, what do you what do you do with that? I don't know what it was. I don't know why it was there. I don't know where it came from. But I had that weird growth of like dog like hair on my arm, like. <laughs> You know, like I just say a dog. That's the only other experience that I've had that was that was so notable, so bizarre. And I didn't. It was shared. My my dad saw, had um, saw the experience too. Of course, he's passed now. But that was the weird. That was one of the weirder one of the weirder things that I've ever experienced as well. What happened to something the hair? small? What happened to the hair? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It was just gone. It just it like it was almost like it turned into such a fine particle that it just it just was gone like sand i don't know i don't know that is strange very strange and you're not a werewolf or anything like that not that i'm aware of or am i <laughs> no i don't i don't i don't feel any different than uh you know before the hair but but that you know i've heard other people and again this is why i feel like it's <laughs> wax on wax off this is why I feel like it's important to talk about my experiences. I heard I've heard other people talk about experiences themselves where they've they've had changes to their behavior or they've had changes to their body or they've had marks or they they've had medical, you know, you've of course I know you've read about people who've had um, medical things taken out of their body and like metal that's not from earth that when tested isn't anything that we have here on earth. That when and, and all of a sudden, sometimes those materials disappear. They give them to doctors and they disappear. There is that that I think believe it was a Harvard professor who was putting people under hypnosis, and he studied the abduction phenomena. And some of those patients that he studied also had objects removed from their body that were left behind from from whatever the experience whatever the experience they had. There were people that say they were pregnant, and this is why again this is why. I feel like it's important to respect everyone's experience. I, again, I, I didn't used to do to believe this, but having my own experiences and then, and then learning that if I want people to respect me and mine, why, why would I not respect other people's hearing women say that they've had experiences where they believe they were pregnant, pregnant, several months pregnant, and that something came and took the, 
the baby away after it was a few months old or that they had eggs removed from their body and taken. And then later on, they were shown children by these beings that looked like them, but not exactly like them, not, not exactly human, but they knew that they were their children. What did they do with those experiences? Who do they tell that's going to believe them? And how, how do they deal with that, that possibility that they have children somewhere out there that they'll never be able to hold in their arms and raise and love? That's, I, I, you know, I, I can't imagine. I can't imagine. It is, you know, it really does open your mind up to many different possibilities of what is going on with the phenomena and why. For you, as you now continue more as a researcher trying to find your own answers, whether it's from the government, whether it's from listening to other podcasts or watching documentaries or whatever, what, what angle have you taken in all of this? Where, where do you lean towards? That is a good question. It's also a tough one because, you know, on the one hand, the, the government has been pushing this threat narrative lately. You know, that, that's the new thing. And I respect why they're doing that. I, I really do. I mean, come on. They, they're, they're, the U.S. government's job is to protect national security. They, they need to protect the people. Um, and the U.S. is big on their military budget, their military spending. So if they want to take the approach of this is a threat to national security, to be totally honest, I don't care. As long as they're investigating it and they're giving us the information and the intel, it doesn't matter what they say it is. The phenomenon is going to do what the phenomenon wants to do, and there's nothing we can do about it. Whether they you, they can play this game where, you know, oh, they're going to come, they could come and they could kill us, which I don't think they're doing, by the way. But even if they were, what are we going to do about it? What are What's the government going to do about it? We, we're... As Gary Nolan said, we're hundreds of technological revolutions behind them. What can we possibly do if they are hostile? Nothing. So I think in my, I think I'm just going to wait and reserve my. I don't think that there's any hostile intent from these beings, but I think that there is more to the phenomena than just nuts and bolts. I think it's a spiritual thing. I think it's a consciousness thing. I think it's a, the, you know, the future beings. I think it's. You know, ancient, uh, do you know, what do you call it, uh, now, Inlanians? I think it's possible that whatever that civilization was, which we have discovered remnants of their of their civilization under the sea, we have found that all over the world. I think it's part of that. I think it's intergalactic. I think it's interdimensional. I think it's all of it. I don't think it's one thing. I think that whatever it is, it's, it's many things. I am also open to what Jacques Valet says that it's possible that it is, it may be, and I'm not, again, I'm not a scientist. I trust what the scientists say, um, but I take it all into consideration. I also trust what the experiencers say. But Jacques, Jacques Valet says that it might be one phenomena expressing itself in multiple ways that we understand it, that we, we may be able to accept it. It could be that. I don't know. Nobody knows what it is exactly. But all of these things are part of the phenomena. All of it. I believe it is all part of the phenomenon. I believe that Bigfoot is part of the phenomenon. Of course, that he might be traveling through dimensions because people say they hear and they see things and all of a sudden he's gone. They'll see him. They'll capture it. If he's been captured on film, I mean, your introduction has a video of a Bigfoot walking in, in the forest. Now, the question is, when that when when it disappears in the forest, how can it possibly something that big just disappear? It happens all the time. 
And there are people all over the world talking about this, this creature just disappearing. Where does it go? It can't just disappear unless it's possibly traveling through dimensions like some researchers, researchers are suggesting. It's a lot. And, and I'm still developing my perspective, but I do think that whatever the phenomenon is, it is more than just one thing. Many. I think it's many things. And I agree with you. I think it, it is many things. And, you know, it always makes me wonder, and this is kind of the road I have taken on this. Uh, this is why I tell our audience, I don't believe we are under a disclosure movement. I believe we are under a confirmation movement because we're not going to get the truth. We're not going that to. Great, we yeah. are not going to get the the nuts and bolts of what happened at Roswell or how many crash retrievals are sitting in the hands of the United States military or Lockheed Martin or any of the defense companies that are out there. I don't think that we are going to get the truth about many stories out there. That that that's what disclosure means, telling us all of what about what is going on. And for people like you who've had an experience, me who've had experiences, and others who've had experiences, we're all sitting here saying, well, just give us the goods. We need the goods. You know, show us the juice. Well, I think that I think that when it comes to disclosure, I mean, I think you're right. That's a, that was an excellent, you know, I'm going to have to quote that because it's like a confirmation movement, not a disclosure movement. I think you're right. I think that what the government is doing is it's confirming that there's something to this phenomenon. I think that people, though, whistleblowers, I think people within the DOD, well, people no longer working with the DOD and the Pentagon, like Louis Elizondo, I think that private industry, like what TTSA is doing, um, like what now, there are some researchers, what's that new, there's a new UAPX now, which is a conglomeration of a bunch of different scientists from different fields that are working on um, collecting data on the phenomena themselves. I think that that is going to be part of what, what I guess, part of what we can call disclosure, because I don't think the government is going to tell us, oh, by the way, we have a craft, and this is how many we have, and we've been working with Lockheed Martin and Skunk Works and all these other people um, with, this, with this technology. But I do also believe that we've already had disclosure, Dave. I, I don't think that, I, I mean, come on, we've got John Ramirez coming out and telling us about the CIA and the structures of the CIA as it relates to the phenomena and how they've investigated the phenomena. We've got Richard Dolan, who has been working on talking about and investigating how national security works with this phenomena and how they've, how they've been keeping this secret, but also people who have been, have been trying to say, Hey, there are craft, there are bodies, there are beings there are so many researchers that are coming out today and scientists like Gary Nolan who are coming out today saying the CIA has come to me and asked me to investigate the effects of the phenomena on human biology when, when, when in contact with craft. I mean, what, what do we, I feel like sometimes, what do you, what do we need? Like, I don't need, I, I think I, for me, I've got more than confirmation. I believe disclosure has already happened by people, like I said, Gary Nolan, by Richard Dolan by John Ramirez, by Louis Elizondo, by Christopher Mellon, after the, the new law has just recently passed. And Christopher Mellon writes a piece on giving confirmation about the Eric Davis you know, memo, which, which again, I don't want to get too far into the, to the weeds with that one. Whether it's true or not, it's the fact that it's something that's being discussed publicly 
and confirmed by someone as prominent as, as Christopher Mellon. We've got, you know, Leslie Kane writing articles about life after death and about UAP and about her. You know, again, what do we need? What do we need? Disclosure well, is not happening. You know. I, I think disclosure happens for each and every one of us individually. But the right. con, but the right. confirmation of knowing that the people that called us lunatics, the people that called us stupid, liars, ima- uh, heavy imagination type of people, you know, uh, maybe you need some help. People who lost friends, people who've lost jobs over any type of, of the phenomena, I think those are the people who are looking towards the government to give them some sort of closure and resolution. Well, listen to, you know, um, Commander David Fravor and Ryan, um, I believe it's Ryan, Ryan Graves. I believe yeah, Ryan his Graves. Name is. He, they, they are two pilots. You know, D- David Fravor is a Top Gun pilot. I mean, this guy's got patches out the wazoo for his accomplishments within the, within the Navy as a pilot. And he, they talk about these objects that are performing in ways that defy physics they, they, they do things that if they were if it were possible for a physical object to move as fast instantaneously as they do, it would tear a hole into, you know, into the fabric of, of, of our atmosphere and burn up everything on this planet because it's just tearing through our atmosphere. Moving at 80,000 feet in the in the air down to 50 feet above sea level. That would, I mean, think about the effects on the craft itself. It would tear apart. It wouldn't be able to sustain. It wouldn't be able to maintain its structure. It would just break apart. It would disintegrate. When an when a when an astronaut, you know, lands a spacecraft in a space, it's meeting resistance from our, from the Earth's atmosphere, and it's essentially it's 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 on fire. And these objects are not they're not encountering any resistance whatsoever. They're defying physics, which makes you wonder how are they doing it, and that's confirmation that this is real and whatever people are experiencing, it's real. And I think that, yeah, I think that this confirmation movement is going to give out, you know, validation to people that have experienced things that are so bizarre that talking about them alone has lost them everything, everything. Oh, absolutely. So what is your quest then? What is your personal quest moving forward here? as we continue on with your own wants and needs? I, I believe that it is my duty at this point to let people know that don't want to believe, that are having a hard time accepting what's happening to the, to the human race. I believe it's my duty to help them transition from that disbelief, that position of disbelief, to a position of acceptance that there's more going on to their to the experience there of this in this life than what they think, because it's going to be, I, I think that the idea of disclosure being so jarring for civilization, that's why they haven't told us, so to speak, is like it could cause a chaos and a panic. I think it's up to us to, to try to help with that transition because we have already accepted it. And think about whenever you had your first experience, when I had my first experience, it was jarring to me, but I was already interested in, what's what else is out there a lot of people aren't they don't want to know they're too afraid even to this day i've had a conversation with people who want to know hey tell me what you know now that you're you know you're studying it investigating it what do you know 
And when I give them just a little bit, they're scared. They're scared. So I think it's up to us to help them through this transitional period of, of, as you say, confirmation, but eventually and ultimately disclosure one day. That's my goal. My goal was to create content, to have conversations, to talk about the phenomena, to normalize it for people. And, and that and that's a huge one right there, Marquise, is normalizing this conversation. You know, for many people, like I, I look at my dad where my dad knows what I do. He knows what I talk about. And no matter what, he has zero interest, zero interest in this. I have friends who have zero interest. I think we've all lost friends because of this subject matter. You know, and the idea behind it, even if it's in the mainstream news, there are certain people who don't want to take a conversation past Coke versus Pepsi. <laughs> you know, it's that's funny. I, I want my my fiance is a wedding planner. So sometimes I, I help her. Not that she's the powerhouse, by the way. Um, when I say I help her, I, I move things for her. <laughs> and the last wedding I went to, there was this kid. Um, he was a photographer and he said, and he asked, what do you do? And so on and so forth. And I said, well, you know, I, I'm a podcaster and a voice actor and, um, I do all these things and I showed him some of my videos. He's like, wow, that's, that's, that's freaking awesome. You, dude, I love UFOs. I think that's so awesome. Do you think aliens are real? Well, of course. Yeah, of course I think they're real. I just think there's a little bit more to it than that. Oh, tell me all about it. <laughs> 10 minutes into the conversation, he's terrified terrified i didn't try to scare him i just you know i there's so much more you know but people as much as they think they want some people think they want to know you know they hear people say well what if if aliens are real why don't they just land on the white house lawn those people who think that if it were real and they were told the truth they would accept it they wouldn't and they don't want to know because every time i have that conversation with people who ask me they I always find out the same thing. They don't want to know. They would rather talk about Coke and Pepsi. Very true. Very true. We have Marquise Williams for another 30 minutes here on Spaced Out Radio. And soon, starting the first week in January, or the first weekend in January, you will hear Marquise on with Grant Baker, Danielle Borzen, and Nicholas on the After Hours Show on Spaced Out Radio's YouTube channel. We have more coming up on the Mighty SOR and your questions as well from our keys. Stay tuned. Spaced Out Radio continues right after this. <clears throat> Good answers, my man. Good answers. Thank you, man. Gone fast, eh? Yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying. It. I have, I could again. I could do this all day long. I feel like there's. I, I feel like by the end of it, I'm gonna feel like there wasn't enough time. <laughs> no, there's not. A, never enough time, man. There is never yeah. enough time. Excuse me. <clears throat> no, never enough time. It just doesn't seem to work that way. Let's see, Dirty Filth is done. What has he got for us here? 
That's so awesome. Let's put that up there and go like this. Happy New Year, creeps and cryptids. Got the gray. The I'm going to be rolling gray. dice on New Year's Eve. Oh, are you? So I'm doing oh. this now. Oh, yeah. Marquise, Teddy Jam wants to know your, your YouTube channel. It's Dimensions of Reality. But the best place to find me is on Facebook or TikTok. <laughs> my YouTube channel is not as developed as my TikTok or my Facebook. And they are both Dimensions of Reality. Dimensions of Reality. Teddy Jam, welcome to SOR Chat. Danny Flinker, welcome to SOR Chat. Uh, Jordan Ashley Pettit, nice to see you. We need to get Jordan Ashley Pettit to Vegas for our fan party. Her and Travis need to come. They need to come collect free cartoons. Free cartoons, that's right. How many are you giving away, Dirty Filth? I got like 90 sitting here right now. Holy cow. <clears throat> Earl the Grey, how you doing? Some of you people are going to get doubles. That's okay. That is very much okay. And, uh, you know. Between all too early mornings and way too late nights, putting out fires and firing off new ideas, you deserve to be rewarded for growing your business. That's why American Express Blue Business Plus gives you two times membership rewards points on your first $50,000 in purchases per year. It's rewards that make running your business even more rewarding. Terms apply. Learn more at AmericanExpress.com slash blue dash business dash plus. Amex Blue Business Plus. Built for business by American Express. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. You know what? That's how uh, Dirty Filth tips his waiters and waitresses with a Dirty Filth. <laughs> dirty, do me a favor, my man. Tell everybody your website and where they can find your book and your calendar. Everything's available at filthy.com. And you can go to Amazon, too, if you're in Canada, amazon.ca, and just plug in Cryptid Cartoons. It's the first one that comes up. It's got Carl the Alien on the top front of it, and it's green. So, Well, I want to know this, Dirty Filth. If somebody contacts you and says, hey, Dirty, how do I buy one of your cartoons? What do they do? Just go to my website. My email's on there. Shoot me an email, and we'll hash something out. Mm-hmm. Just that simple for a little Dirty Filth love. Yes. Get your own Dirty Filth love. Hang it on your wall. I'm actually going to bring a pile of originals to Vegas, by the way. You should. You should. I'm going to. Taking up space on my shelf. It's going to be awesome. going to be awesome. And for everybody in Vegas who purchases a dirty filth piece of art during our fan party, you will also get to tap the bald head of dirty filth. As well, up to five times. Jeremy Jones, yeah, I suggest you washing your hands afterwards. Yeah, that's true. That is true. T2E says she bought eight prints off of you about a month ago. 
There's big oh, text. Crap. Thank you. Yeah. Big text. Thanks, T2E. T2E? She goes, they are all awesome. If you come to Vegas, I'll sign them for you. I'll probably even draw on the back of them. Oh, T2E is going to be in Vegas. Guaranteed. She's going to be a VIP. K-Wall. Guaranteed. We'll make sure we get you a drawing. Pixie Lara wants to make a trade with you. She goes, I'll trade you one of my originals for one of yours, Dirty Filth. Yeah, I'm okay with that. I've done that before. My wall is lined with my kids' art. It's lined. It's everywhere. I got a painting from Travis Moustusis. Oh, God, I butchered his last name. I I apologize, Travis, for listening. Travis is listening. He listens every night. How you doing, Travis? I know you're listening. Yeah, he pumps out a lot of good artwork. Yeah, if you want good luck in Vegas during the fan party, find Enzo and rub his uh, Hawaiian shirt. He he walked out of there with like twenty five hundred bucks. He was the lucky winner. Yeah, Vegas is bankrupt because of Enzo now. Yeah, damn Enzo. We got uh, thirty seconds. Thank you to Human Carl, Susie, Louie times two, Pam Harris, Deb times two, and Cat Chaser. For the amazing super chats, it's a wonderful way to support what we do on this show on a nightly basis. Thank you so much. You can also get your swag at spacedoutradio.com. Go shopping at our store. Check it on out if you haven't. And don't forget to hit subscribe and give us a thumbs up here. Here we go. We passed the halfway point of Spaced Out Radio tonight. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears. want to remind you that if you've missed portions of this show or others, check out our free archives at youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. We continue on tonight. We have until the top of the hour. Marquise Williams is joining us, telling us about his stories involved with UFOs and the personal experiences he has. Now, Marquise is going to be joining our After Hours team on our YouTube channel on the weekend show with Grant Baker. Diva Danielle, and Big Bad Nick. And you know what? We're glad to have him as part of our team. So we figured we'd just introduce him to you guys all tonight. Marquise, thank you so much for joining us, my man. It is a pleasure, and I love being here. (laughs) Wonderful. Wonderful. I got some questions from the audience for you. Sure. Let's go to Champ here. Marquise, did you ever get popping sensations I, I don't know what that would be, no. I'm like sorry. In your ears or around you, a lot of experiencers have that. Mm. No, I not that I can remember, no. That's not that's something that I've that if it did happen to me, it wasn't noticeable enough for me to remember. No. All right. Let's continue on here. Let's go to <clears throat> Chairman Meow. How did you defend against the aliens though? I've not heard of a way to do that. So I don't think that there is a way to ever defend against the aliens. <laughs> Whatever these beings are, they get, there's nothing we can do about 
what they want to do. There's we can't defend necessarily against them. What I mean is I protect myself mentally. So let's, for example, say that I've had maybe I've had more than just those two experiences, but I believe that I've blocked my mind from remembering anything else because if I have had any other ones, I don't remember. Um, it would be more along the lines of protecting myself mentally from from remembering the experiences than protecting myself from the aliens. Now the other experiences like the the demon figure and the the, the shadow figure. Those experiences I did protect myself from. I believe that um, those experiences I think we open ourselves up to. I think that those are done by volition, whether on by accident or on purpose. Um, and if you, if for myself, if I don't tell myself and remind myself of that, and I say protective bubble as a as a metaphor, not necessarily literally, but I imagine that I have this energy because we all have the bioelectric energy that that surrounds us all the time. But I imagine that it's constantly protecting me by my thoughts, by thinking positive, by telling myself that I'm not going to have those experiences, by the affirmations and the constant telling, uh, talking to myself and my inner self. And that's how I believe that I protect myself from those experiences. I don't think aliens are the exact same thing, however. They may all be connected, but they're not the same thing. Um, so there is no defending against the aliens or whatever they are. No. All right. Let's continue on here. Let's go to Christine. Did you have any markings, pains, or other signs on your body after you were taken? No. I had nothing afterwards. No pain, no marks, no signs, nothing. You almost wish you did. Sometimes I wish I had something that I could say, look what happened. Like, this is a reminder. Look, like, it would be some kind of physical proof that I can say this is what happened after that experience, but I, I don't have anything. I wish I had something that exotic. I think maybe, maybe I don't wish I don't, I don't, I don't know. Maybe I don't wish that, but let's go to little Terry hall here. Marquise, do you recall the texture of their skin or if they had arms like stretch Armstrong, like rubber joints is his best description. That's a really good question. So, so the, the, the best way that I could describe what I remember, remember about their skin is that it was smooth. And I didn't, not that I remember, I didn't know what it felt like, but when you look at them, they're unblemished. They have no like dense, whatever these creatures are, it's like they're 3D printed. You know, they, they have no imperfections. Um, and when it comes to their arms, at least descriptively, their arms were like the full length of their freaking body. They, they, they were like from shoulder length all the way down past their knees and their fingers were quite long too. That's what I remember about them. They didn't move their arms. You know how like when we walk, we move our arms forward like this. They just, they were completely stiff when they moved. They didn't, they didn't move their arms at all. They were just completely stiff. The only time that they moved their body in a way that was um, noticeable was when they bent forward. They leaned forward with a straight back and looked at me in the face. Oh, I know that look. I know. That was terrible. That was oh, terrible. I know that look. Oh, all right. Let's go to Cat Chaser. Have you ever tried hypnotism? But you don't want to go down this road, road, do you? Um, I, I, I actually hypnotize myself often, um, but I, not in the way that you would think. Um, I, I have definitely tried to study hypnotism. I've taken courses on hypnotism. Um, I could call myself a certified hypnotist, although I'm not in my own opinion, but I've taken courses where they say, now you're a certified hypnotist. I do know how to hypnotize other people. I know how to hypnotize myself, though. 
So yes, quite a bit. And it's, I think it's probably one of the most useful things that I could have ever learned in my life. But you still have that fear of going, going under though. So when I, I don't do like, okay, let's here, let's put it this way. When I hypnotize myself, which I don't do this as much anymore. I, it was either to lucid dream hypnotized before lucid dreaming. So I can choose where I go and what happens to me when I go into the lucid dream. Um, or to begin my day, for example, how I want my mindset to be, how I want to feel, what I want to what I want to feel throughout the day. Um, I do that kind of hypnotism. I hypnotize myself to, for example, whenever I read, so that I can read and absorb more information, so I can recall more information whenever after I'm done reading. For example, I do a technique where I hypnotize myself for that. Um, I hypnotize myself for everything i mean the, the, the visualization which i think is a lot of fun if you guys ever do any kind of visualization techniques one of the coolest things you can ever do especially if you hypnotize yourself into the visualization you have a much more rich and full experience because you can feel you can smell you can taste you can really experience fully those visualizations as well um i do things like that that's that's what i mean by hypnotism what i don't do is go to a place that i'm not in control of I will not put myself in a, into like a, a go down, going down a staircase or opening up doors. I'm not doing that because I don't, I don't know. There's too much to that realm and I don't know en- enough about it to, to be able to do that safely. So I won't do that. Do you have a fear of the unknown when it comes to that, when it comes to your situation? Yes. Because again, because I have, na- I'm naturally fearful of, of, of many things and paranoid. Um, my mind just doesn't go to a good place whenever I let myself go, so to speak. And to be honest, the best way to have experiences is to let yourself go. But you, you should not do that. I do not believe you should do that unless you are mentally sh- like strong enough and mature enough and have a really good grasp on who you are. Um, and in and, and your place in this life and and your feelings about the unknown. If you don't have a good sense and a grounding, you're gonna you're gonna mess you're gonna mess with the wrong things. You're gonna bring some things into your life that you don't want. And it expresses itself in ways that don't always necessarily seem paranormal, but they are. I mean this life, you know, I, I don't want to, you know, bunny trail here. There we are not just this physical experience. You know, we may this may be the most persistent of our experiences, but this is literally the least powerful of all of them. There's so much more. Remember, we live for maybe 70, 80 years, and then we die forever. Everybody that's been dead for the last thousands of years, they're still dead. We're only here for a blink, for a flicker. And you don't want to mess with the things that are beyond. You don't want to mess with it, if you're, especially if you're not ready. Very true. Very true. Let's get to YJ's question. Does your watch ever lose time like two or three hours? So that is, that's one of those things that like, we all have that experience, right? Where we're like, Oh my goodness, what just happened to the time? The question is how often do we have paranormal experiences where it's not just, I like what I'm doing or I've been sitting here thinking about something and now it's an hour later. When is it something more? And how do we tell? I have no idea. And I'm sure, I I am certain that every human being on this planet 
has had spiritual or paranormal or extra normal experiences that are considered what you're thinking of as lost time. Um, but more specifically, the, the encounters, I lost time. I look at the clock and it's three hours or four hours later. That's a, in a blink of an eye, I lost time. And I was aware of that loss of time. So yes. And I think it happens more often than we, than we notice by far. I want to ask you in regards to everything that you've experienced and everything that you learn, what more do you need? What, what is going to satisfy you regarding these subjects? Satisfaction. Um, I don't think I'll ever be satisfied when I die and learn the truth about everything. You know, I mean, will we ever be satisfied? We're humans. We are constantly seeking more. And whether it be food or pleasure of some kind or understanding and knowledge. Um, but let me ground myself in that question. If, if I were to talk to a being from whether it be another existence, plane of existence, another realm, another dimension, and they were to give me answers to questions and tell me things that I can remember, not that it, not an experience that I won't remember. I, I need to be able to remember what was said and know that it was real, then that would be, that would be enough for me. Or let's say that a government official comes to me and shows me the documents, right? And says, here, here, here it all is. And they brief me on all the, and they say, this is what we can't tell it. And Marquise, we want you to stop talking about this because this is what, then I'll, then I'll, then I'll be satisfied. But guys, ladies and gentlemen, we know that's never going to happen. <laughs> that's never going to happen. So I don't think I'll ever be satisfied. <laughs> Not truly. Well, you know what? That's something that we all have to go by, you know, is what is the truth? What is our truth? What What is happening to us? How does it all relate to where we're going and what we're doing? And I'm just trying to figure it out on my own as well. You know, uh, let's get to Eugene's question here. What do you think man's primary purpose here on earth is? I believe that our primary purpose is to, well, this is, it's not complicated, but I think that for humans, for some reason it is, I think it's, we're supposed to connect. I think we're supposed to connect. I believe that our literal and genuine purpose is to connect with each other and, and existence itself. Because, because, I think that the problem with our existence is that we're so disconnected. We don't see each other as one, right? We see each other as separate. We see each other as different, as other, as not the same. We literally are the We all eat and, you know, pee and poop the same, right? But somehow we, we see each other different because we're taller or shorter or this color or that color or from this part of the world or that part. It is, I feel like it's the stupidest part of what we are that we see ourselves as separate, Hope that answers your It's question. a strange game, isn't it? Let's go over to Terry. It's a strange game. Let's go over to Terry. Marquise, have you ever had any hitchhiker type events? I'm not sure if that, I don't know how that hitchhiker effect of, um, relates to those that have not been. I've only associated that with Skinwalker Ranch, to be totally honest. I thought the hitchhiker effect was just a, like people that experienced poltergeists or people that experienced, you know, the, the, Skinwalker Ranch kind of thing. However, I do understand that 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 experience is not just localized to Skinwalker Ranch. I do not. 
I have never had someone tell me that because they were around me that they have had experiences as well. No. No. All right. Let us go over to our good friend, Deb. Marquise, if they gave you the information, would you be really content keeping it to yourself? Depends. If if you if somebody told you, for example, Deb, if somebody told you that they gave you information, you have kids. I don't know if you have kids, but I do. There, I will not tell my children certain things about life because I know that it would ruin them forever. Would you tell them about the children that are being, you know, assaulted in other countries? Just are people that are being decapitated by their government because they're speaking about things they're not supposed to, or people that are pushed off of buildings because they love differently, or anything else? Would you tell your children that just because? Of course not. You protect them from those things because you don't want them to live in constant fear, and then it would ruin their entire life. It would affect their development and how they how they connect with others. It would make them fearful to connect with others, and you don't want to ruin that for them. You don't want to ruin their childhood, their purity. Well, look how look at what happened with the coronavirus in the U.S. Look how people treated each other. Look at what happened with, for example, from my perspective, with the civil rights movement in the 50s and the 60s and how people were treated. Look at the last 350 years of slavery, right? Or before, five, I guess it would be 400 years from now, but 350 years of slavery. Look at before that with the Jews. Look at before that. Like, come, come on. Like, do you, people cannot handle basic information. They can't handle that we're all the same. What if information about the phenomena really would affect humanity in that way? It would be irresponsible of me to do that to the human race if that were a thing. However, if it's just there are aliens out there and we don't want to tell people because we don't want them to know, then I'm telling. (laughs) I'm telling everybody because screw that, man. You just don't want people to know. That's not a good reason. I'd have to have a really good reason to not tell. I'd have to have a really really good like it's gonna kill everybody in the whole human race or else i'm telling (laughs) don't worry deb i'll let you know we have about uh just over seven minutes here uh to go with you uh tonight marquise you know one of the big things that that i love about these topics is that we are able to really delve into them you know and most of the stories that we hear are anecdotal stories of people's experiences like what we're talking about tonight now there are a number of people out there who are tired of the anecdotal stories they want the proof they want the evidence of video or or photographs or audio or something along those lines that gives them some sort of tangible evidence that they can rely upon corroborating your story I don't know how you're going to corroborate an abduction story, but nonetheless, it's out there. So my question to you is, in Marquise's world, what is proof? That is one of my favorite questions. That is one of my favorite questions. You know, for me, right, I, I'm not the kind of person that be- I don't believe a lot of things. Um, I, ha- I need I need proof, right? But there are certain things that I believe that I've never had direct experience or knowledge of because there are people that have studied those things and they tell me it's true. And I believe it, for example, space, right? We believe that the earth revolves around the sun and so do all the other planets in our solar system. We believe that sun, the sun is the center of our solar system. 
We believe that the Earth is round. Between all too early mornings and way too late nights, putting out fires and firing off new ideas, you deserve to be rewarded for growing your business. That's why American Express Blue Business Plus gives you two times membership rewards points on your first $50,000 in purchases per year. It's rewards that make running your business even more rewarding. Terms apply. Learn more at AmericanExpress.com slash Blue Dash Business Dash Plus. Amex Blue Business Plus. Built for business by American Express. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Most of us, not everybody. (laughs) Um, Because scientists tell us that that's what their measurements and that our technology has shown them. There are astronauts that have went to space, allegedly. I'm just kidding. That have looked back and sent pictures back. And the James Webb Telescope now is is getting readings and measurements of planets, exoplanets that have have water on them. There's recently uh, the, the James Webb Telescope has just now discovered that there is a planet that has a thousand feet deep water, a thousand mile deep waters, and it's bigger than Earth. There are there is an exoplanet that is similar to Earth, but it's 1.3 times bigger than Earth that has been detected by the James Webb Telescope. There are things that I have never seen with my own eyes, but I believe it because there are scientists and there are there are, there's money and there's there is investments put into studying and understanding the cosmos. That to me. I think is it can be applied to things like the UAP phenomena and the abduction phenomena. There are millions of human beings that say they have had experiences that are some that are the same, and they're all around the globe. They're from different cultures. They speak different languages. They have different histories. They have different professions. They come from people in government to people that are farmers. They have people that are doctors and lawyers and teachers and mothers and fathers. Everybody from all walks of life have had experiences and they've talked about it. I think the measure of proof is the weight of the proof, the weight of the experiences that people have. That to me is, is proof. I think that was an exemplary answer, my man. I really do think that was an exemplary answer because my argument to that is not to what you're saying, but to those who require proof, I ask them a question. What is proof? Explain to me if, if, you know, and I'm I'm more blue collar in the way I, I speak, and and I say, you know what, you're not going to believe a photograph, you're not going to believe a video, you're not going right. to believe my voice. What's the point in having the conversation? There's no way I can appease you in everything. You're not going to believe my video because you weren't there. And let's face it, you know, the average ten year old today can edit a, a movie on Adobe right. Acrobat. Right. You know, uh, the average ten-year-old can uh, Photoshop a, a picture with uh, on a on an app on an iPhone or an iPad, and it looks like you're right in the middle of the desert. You know, watching UFOs fly over. You know, so that's that's where I'm getting at when it, when I say, you know, what is proof? And there is nothing that will make people happy. Nothing. You know. This is I, again. I, I I love that this question because 
again, Commander David Fravor is a pilot. He's a Top Gun pilot. Do we? What do, who do we respect in this world? Most people, most patriotic people of any country, respect their military. Now, not all, not all, but the the first world countries, a lot of people respect soldiers, people who give their life to protect the country they live in, and there are some of the top ranked soldiers in every part of the military, the army, the air force, the Navy, you know, there are people within the intelligence community who talk about the most trained, intelligent human beings in the world that are telling us there's something here. If you don't ask them if they trust themselves, there are people with greater credibility than them that that are saying there's something there. If we should trust you in your experiences with your limited credibility, why are you not trusting people with the credibility far beyond yourself? I think that it's just it's just there. The, the credibility is there, right? And when it comes to evidence, credible evidence is there in abundance. The problem is they're not looking at it. They're listening to just me. Nobody credible. And they're saying, oh, I don't believe you. So therefore, I see all I see is people like you. Pay attention. Open your eyes. Do the research. Don't be so lazy. How about no, not to be offensive to people. If you don't believe because you don't know, I respect that. If you don't believe because you ignore, I don't respect that. I can't respect that. Would they respect it if somebody were to criticize something that they know because the person that's criticizing doesn't want to learn? Of course not. Measure with the same measure that they would measure with. That's how I see it. My man, Marquise, we got 45 seconds. Let everybody know where they can find your social media. Facebook is in TikTok or my social media platforms, Dimensions of Reality. Um, that That's as simple. And also on Spotify, if you like the podcast as well. So. My friend, I am so excited to have you a part of Spaced Out Radio's team moving forward. And on the weekends with After Hours with Grant, Danielle, and Nick, you are going to be an amazing addition to three already brilliant people. And uh, the fact that uh, you've decided to join our team and, and be a part of us moving forward and getting these great messages out to our listeners makes us that much stronger. Thank you so much, Marquise Williams, for joining us on Spaced Out Radio tonight and giving us an opportunity to introduce you. Absolutely. It's a pleasure. I love it. Marquise Williams, everybody. Get used to him. He's going to be around for a while. Coming up next, we're going to head to the swamp. Then, Super Duke from World Bigfoot Radio is here with the Cryptid Report. A jam-packed hour number three is next on Spaced Out Radio. Look at the comments, my man. Going to be a great addition Welcome, Marquise. Big hugs, Marquise. Uh, Thank you, Marquise. Well done. Thanks, Marquise. Thurston Howell III giving you some horns there. You know? Thank you, brother. (laughs) Jeff Steve Garvey, he'll always hit a home run for you. Good job, SOR. Uh, Esmeralda. My man, uh, Eugene, he's like a brother to me. Eugene, I want to get you back on the show in January, if you don't mind. We got to set up a time. I need some Eugene love on the air, man. And, uh, oh, the, people are loving you, man. People are loving you. Awesome. T2E, Amber. Oh, Joe needs to know, are you on Team Rock or Team Stump 
when it comes to Devil's Tower? I don't know. <laughs> I can't take a position on that, at least not at this point. No, this, that's that's funny. That's a funny. You, you a probably funny eat breakfast for dinner too, don't you? <laughs> Sometimes, <laughs> because I can't eat anything else. What are you talking? My food choices are limited, my brother. <laughs> I know. I'm gonna let it slide on that one, my man. I'll thank let, you. Thank you. I'll let you. I'll let you go. But uh, you have a great night, and uh, we'll, we'll talk very soon. Okay. I look forward to it. This is a pleasure. All right, buddy. Much love, eh? We'll talk to you soon. Love. Take care. Marquise Williams, everybody. He's freaking awesome. Freaking awesome. We lucked out there. We really did. I'm going to take a quick break here. I'll be right back. You guys sit tight. Uh, we got a great, uh, great third hour coming up.
right. Got just under a minute to go. And screw that. Um, let me put my headphones back on. Super Duke is in the hot seat in the green room. His hair looks fantastic. <coughs> what a great guest. Marquise was absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. Thank you tonight to Deb times two, Louie times two, Cat Chaser, Pam H, Susie, Carl, and Steve for the Super Chats. Very much appreciate the love, everybody. And uh, hi, Search and Destroy. How you doing? Here we go, everyone. Hour three. Would you like to connect with us? Head to spacedoutradio.com for all your latest show info. Now, back to Dave Scott and SOR. Here we go with the third and final hour of Spaced Out Radio tonight. Good to have you with us. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth. Hello to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Resorial. Resorial is your password. Use it wisely, Space Travelers, as the Clam sets the password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. It is time once again where we enter the swamp. Our resident swamp dweller takes us on another spooky journey. Hi, Spaced Out Radio listeners. This is Swamp Dweller. It's time for your nightly dose of spookiness on the show. If you have an interesting encounter or a spooky story that you would like to share, be sure to submit them in at swampdweller.net. You can also find our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash swampdwellerreads. Now, let's chill out, relax, and together, let's enter the swamp. This story is about an encounter my friends and I had at my friend's farm. To this day, we still can't explain what happened that night. My friend's mom dropped us off at their farm with our guns, bags, teepee, cooler, and whatever else we needed to survive as 15-year-olds alone in the woods. The farm is mostly pasture, with about 5 to 8 acres of woods in the back corner. There is a barn pump house, and old run-down chicken houses in the front corner of the entrance. Now, you can't quite just drive straight to the back of the farm from the entrance. You must go between the chicken houses, through the gate to the pasture, and then back to the fence line. When we get in my friend's gator, with all of our gear, and head to set up the camp in the woods, we set up our teepee and put our bags and hunting rifles in it. We brought with us two semi-automatic 22s and two hunting rifles, bolt action, we shot a couple of pigs in traps, but didn't do anything special till night. We waited till it was dark outside to go hunt for raccoons, possums, hogs, and whatever else we could find to shoot. 
We hopped in the gator with our 22s, and for good measure, we sat about 30 to 40 yards back from the deer feeder, searching for the slightest noise hoping to get a raccoon. We were sitting there for about an hour or so when my friend, in this confused tone, whispered to me and our friend to look towards the barn. At first, we thought nothing out of the ordinary was happening, but about 15 seconds later, a bright light came on, then went off about five seconds later. We all gave each other the same look. Did you see that too? My friend quickly remembered that there was a light on a power pole by the entrance. We watched from about 200 yards away as the light went on and off. We were pretty sure it was the light on the pole, but that quickly changed when the light moved about 50 yards to the right. At that moment, I cranked up the gator and floored it to the chicken houses with the lights off. We are on the opposite side of the chicken houses, and they are about 100 yards long. Now, even though I floored it over there, I was confident whatever was at the entrance couldn't hear us come as the gator is very quiet and you can barely hear it unless you're within 30 yards of it. They get out, and I take the hunting rifle and steady it on the steering wheel and scope out the area to look for movement. It was dark, but there was enough light from the moon to see the barn. I didn't see anything, but as soon as I stopped looking through the scope, the light came on again. Right next to the pump house, I quickly got out of the gator and we quietly made our way through one of the chicken houses. I switched guns with my friend, because I'm better with iron sights and I can shoot faster that way. He went behind the chicken house with the rifle and watched us through the scope as he could see everything from where he was. So, he acted as an overwatch as me and my friend cleared the barn, then the other chicken house. Then as we made our way to the pump house, we had seen the light next to the pump house before, so we were confident if someone was there, they'd be in the pump house. We got on either side of the door. I motioned for my friend to come over as he had the most powerful gun. They got on the side with the handle, one with a rifle, the other with a flashlight, and I got the other side. We all knew what we were going to do. I was going to swing the door open and they were going to sweep the room and make sure nobody was in there. I nod to make sure they are ready. They nod back. I hold my fingers. Three, two, one. The door was locked. We looked at each other in confusion. My one friend stays at the door with the 22 in the flashlight while I and my other friend with the rifle run to the barn to get the spare key. He lifts the rock and turns to me in shock saying the key is gone. We ran back to the pump house and tried to think of what to do. My friend and I get right in front of the door with him and the flashlight and me with the 22. My other friend pounds on the door yelling for whoever, yelling for whoever was in there to come out and we wouldn't call the cops if they came out peacefully which was a lie of course. In Texas, you don't come onto somebody's farm in the middle of the night and hide on their property and expect to get away free and uninjured. We waited, but there was nothing. We walked back to the chicken house talking so that whoever was in there knew that we had left. We waited in the chicken houses for about an hour and a half, each of us in different spots, split between the chicken houses. We waited, sights focused on the front door, just waiting for someone to come out. After an hour and a half and nothing, I motioned to my friends that I was going to go up to the pump house and listen. I quietly made my way up to the pump house, making sure I didn't step on the gravel. I crept up to the door and put my ear against it. My knife pressed against the door, ready to stab whoever was in there in case they tried to attack me. I listened for about 10 minutes but heard nothing really. I quietly made my way back to my friends and I told them I was going to get the gator and told them to keep watching the door. On the other side of the chicken house where the gator was was an old feeder. As I got in the gator and started to slowly creep past the feeder, 
The grass started making noise like something hit the metal feeder with a thud and a scratch like somebody was running around the feeder to chase me. I punched it, spun the tires, and got to my friends as fast as I could. I didn't look back, which was stupid of me, because now I don't know what was there. When I got back to my friends, I told them what happened. We rode back to the feeder. Two of us stayed in the gator, one on the side of the feeder, and the other hopped out as quickly as he could and checked around the feeder. We didn't see anything. We didn't find anything. We rode back to the camp and talked about what happened. It was now about 11 at night and we talked for about an hour and then all went to sleep. At about 2.45 in the morning, my friend and I woke up. We both looked at each other. We were hearing footsteps just feet outside of our tent, somewhere in the tree line. I grabbed my 22, which I kept loaded for security reasons and safety reasons, obviously, after everything we've experienced, and my friend grabbed his knife. The footsteps lasted about five minutes and we were frozen in shock. We were honestly too scared to do anything. We were too scared to talk, too scared to go outside, worrying as soon as we stepped out our heads would get blown off. We didn't go back to sleep for about 30 minutes or so, and it's a miracle we even fell asleep. When we woke up, my friend's mom was already at the farm, and we packed up as quickly as we could and got out of there. To this day, my friend hasn't found that spare key. We can't explain what happened that night, and I don't know if I want to. Thanks for listening to my story. I know it might not be the most terrifying story ever shared on this show, but I thought I'd share it because it was downright strange. And that's why we love the Swamp Dweller around here, keeping us in suspense every Monday through Friday night to kick off hour number three of Spaced Out Radio. If you want more, there are thousands of free stories at Swamp Dweller Reads on YouTube, youtube.com forward slash Swamp Dweller Reads. From the swamp to the forests, it's time for the cryptid. Between all too early mornings and way too late nights, putting out fires and firing off new ideas, you deserve to be rewarded for growing your business. That's why American Express Blue Business Plus gives you two times membership rewards points on your first $50,000 in purchases per year. It's rewards that make running your business even more rewarding. Terms apply. Learn more at AmericanExpress.com slash blue dash business dash plus. Amex Blue Business Plus. Built for business by American Express. Want to avoid boat engine problems? Pick up a can of Marine Pro from the makers of Seafoam Motor Treatment. Just pour it in. Marine Pro works to help engines start faster, run smoother, and last longer. Protecting your boat engine investment has never been this easy. Marine Pro, complete marine fuel system treatment. Ask for Marine Pro wherever marine products are sold. Seafoam! Report. Here comes Super Duke. Yeah, a little duked out radio here on the Mighty SOR. As Super Duke from World Bigfoot Radio joins us once again, hanging on out. How you doing, my man? How was your Christmas? Uh, my Christmas was hectic because I was doing a show Christmas Eve and Christmas evening. So I was busy as bleep all weekend. Now I'm theoretically having my actual holiday. Yeah, right. Is there ever a time off, my friend? Is there ever really a time off? 
Hell no. If I take a weekend off, everybody yells at me because I didn't turn a show out. So the only way I get a weekend off is if I do two weeks worth of work in one week so that I can have an extra show to post. I literally have to do that during the summer to go do expeditions. It's like, what? what is wrong with you people? Don't you want me to go out and try and film Bigfoot? No, we want a show. Oh, I hear you. I hear you, you know, but you know what? It's it's a sign of the fans, man, how they love you. They love what you do. And, hey, it's a, better than not having a show at all. That's true. I had an interesting conversation with Kelly Shaw from Rocky Mountain Sasquatch earlier today. He's on his way to where there was a hot sighting, and he wants to get there and check it out right away. So he's bored. So he gets me a call. We talk for about two hours while he's driving. And most of the conversation is centering around trolls and how he's learned all kinds of evil tricks from my group over there on Facebook, Montana Bigfoot project. My admins actually go trolling for trolls and they set traps for them. Wow. You get them up on name comment and they play whack-a-mole with them. And he said, wow, you know, since I've been watching your group, I started doing that with my groups and they were great. I try and do it at least once a month. It's becoming like a hobby now. Some of them trolls. <laughs> Got to take your fun where you can get it. You know, trolls swarm to uh, channels like we have would like to attack us. So we got to have some fun with it. Well, you know what? Hey, we all get hit by them. We all get hit. You know, it, it's part of being a public figure, my friend. You all get hit by the trolls. You know, you get the nasty emails, the nasty comments. The, you know, I, I remember one time, one of my favorite troll troll comments was uh, when I had longer hair, you know, you know, somebody was making a comment that, you know, I, I just looked like a fat marshmallow with a, with a mop on my head. And, and, I, and, I, and I looked at that and I went, yeah, you know, so I'm a little obese. So I'm a little obese. Tell me something I don't know. Right. <clears throat> Ah, people. Yeah, I'm just I'm just a dirty hick belly that doesn't care. So, <laughs> you know, it's kind of it's it's more difficult to actually have an effect as a troll if the person that you're attacking is not an external validator, and at most views your comments with bemusement, and as an opportunity to counterattack in some smart butt way. <laughs> oh, very true, very very true, my man. But you know what? Hey, we're allowed to have that sarcasm. Every now and again, every now and again, you know, we, we got to be able to fire back. I have it too much for my own good. <laughs> like when uh, we have a huge wood knock that's so loud, it sounds like a cannon shot going off. And the guy with me jumps up out of his chair and goes, what the hell was that? And I go, Hey guys. And he goes, quit screwing around Duke. And I went, I'm not screwing around. I know what made that wood knock. <laughs> Oh, I hear you. I hear you. My man, you know, 2022 has been an interesting year. It's been one that has uh, seen a little bit of everything this year. What's your favorite part about this year, my man? Hmm. Wow. There's so little to choose from. (laughs) Uh Now, this is not one of my favorite years. This was kind of a a frustrating year for me because I had nothing but transportation issues, couldn't get out and do things that I wanted to do and stuff. So, you know, I mean, uh, vicariously through other people, there's other people out there that have had some really cool stuff happen this year. You know, there's been a lot more um, 
Bigfoot sightings, especially going into the second half of the year, uh, this fall and winter, there's been a lot more than what we usually get. And that's another thing that Kelly Shaw was talking about today when I was talking to him, that he's noticed the uptick and there's a lot of reports going on all of a sudden. And generally this time of the year, it's a lot more quiet. They're not moving around as much. So that's peculiar in and of itself. Um, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, like, I, I don't center on any one particular report or anything. I, I hear a couple dozen every day. So it's going to have to be really spectacular to get my attention. One thing that we were thinking about is why, you know, there's Grammys and Emmys and Academy Awards and all that good stuff. Why isn't there a, a footy award? for who are the best Bigfoot researchers out there. And we're thinking maybe we're going to have to actually put together something like that and have an award show every year for who we think are the best Bigfoot researchers out there. I know there's there some group that does that right now. They have like four initials, first one's a B. But they always award it to somebody that's actually a member of their group, not to just random people that may be actually a lot better than anybody they have. Well, you know what? <laughs> Man, awards are so subjective. So subjective. That's what I'm saying. There's not really a good award show for that at all right now. And why not just, you know, throw our hats in the ring and we'll, we'll have all of our judges will be like, you have to have at least 40 years experience or you can't even be on the panel. So, uh, <laughs> and you'll be surprised at how, how few old guys are going to get picked as like anything luminary. Because uh, being that we've been around a long freaking time, most of the people that have been around as long as us do not impress us very much. <laughs> a lot of the newer guys are doing way better work. Well, you know what? It, you know what? It, it's the passion, right? And don't forget the the older the older the guys are who are, who are researching, they they also have a tougher task as well because they weren't brought up with the social media side of everything where they can just make everything happen and make, you know, uh, get that information out there as quickly as possible. So it's, uh, it is a little bit, how can you put it? A little bit one-sided towards the younger crowd because of social media and the effects that that brings. Well, I'll give you that. I mean, they're better at doing the interface and knowing how to push all the buttons on those weird flamnagular doohickeys that make screens appear and stuff like that. But um, are they any better at actually getting out there and getting video and stuff? You know, some of them are really good at it. That's that's what I'm judging it on. You know, presentation is all all fine and dandy, but let's see the damn evidence. That's the bottom line. And you know, some of the younger guys out there are doing a really good job of collecting evidence. And again, like I just pointed out, there's a lot of the older guys out there that have been writing on reputation for 20, 30, 40 years that frankly haven't produced doodly WAP their entire career, but somehow they got a big reputation. Right. Well, Duke, let me ask you this. What makes a good cryptid investigator? Uh, what makes a good cryptid investigator? Well, not being an external validator helps a lot <laughs> because if you're going to like react to every, every ridicule that gets thrown at you, you're not going to get very far. You'll give up right away. Also being dumb enough to ignore people that threaten you. That also keeps you going. Um, not taking stupid chances when you're actually in the field. If you're going to go to some new place or something, you go in there and you'd be really careful and scope it out. Maybe you want to bring just more than one person, just you. Have somebody else with you. Make sure you have weaponry. 
you get the lay of the land. You know, you don't just walk into some place going, hey, maybe there's Bigfoot here and maybe they're friendly. Uh, maybe it's not Bigfoot there and maybe it's not friendly. <laughs> Want to check that kind of stuff out. That'll keep you being alive in the field for a lot longer. Uh, take advantage of warning signs. If, you know, something's shaking trees at you or roaring at you or something like that, it's time to leave. What about on an evidential level? What makes a good... Well, no evidence of any quality is going to be enough to satisfy the science community, so we can just throw them out the window right away. They don't matter in this whole equation. Uh, what what actually impresses the people that hypothetically would be on this panel? Well, have you got some good Bigfoot tracks you can show? Did you actually measure them? Did you get track casts from them? Have you got hair samples? Have you got any kind of uh, flesh samples? Have you got tree structures? Have you documented a lot of tree structures? How much of this stuff are you actually measuring? You know, what's the stride length on all those footprints? That kind of stuff. Being real stickler about details. Not only there was a track line there, the tracks were 15 and a half inches long, and the step length was five feet in between them, but it was heading northeast and it was going toward a water source. Little teeny background notes. What time of day was it? What was the weather like? The more excruciating detail you have, the more there is for other actual researchers to look at and find commonalities. That makes sense. That makes sense. And having an open mind. You have to have that. Well, that too. I mean, I talked about that. On, I was in somebody's chat room earlier today, and I was again bringing up what you were saying about how in the UFO community and in the Bigfoot community, if you alter the report in any way, it isn't worth crap anymore. You know, you have just ruined its veracity as a piece of scientific data because you excluded part of the information that came along with it originally because of your presupposition and that you don't want this evidence included there because what, it doesn't make you look sciencey or it doesn't fit your narrative. It doesn't matter. It's part of the data set that came along with it. And if you exclude it, you're not a real researcher and nobody should pay any attention to you. Is there as much friction in the Bigfoot cryptid community as there we are seeing in the UFO community? It comes and goes. There's periods where there's flare-ups where there's like actual channels fighting with each other, or even channels, you know, banding up with other channels to fight other bands of channels. And it's just ridiculous. It's like a bunch of five-year-olds in a playground and they all got their little clicks and they want to go and push the kid over in the corner down in the sand or some ridiculous thing. But, you know, a lot of those, the people that are doing that aren't actual researchers. They're just clickbait artists. They're out there to make a name for themselves and get a lot of views. They're not really serious about doing anything. Most of the Bigfoot researchers that are for real don't even bother to counterattack when somebody says something bad about them. They just ignore them because, again, they are not external validators. They don't care what you think. They're just going to go out and keep doing the research and gathering the evidence and putting it out there for the people that want to look at it. So a lot of this stuff is caused by elements that are like not actually part of what I would consider the Bigfoot community. And, you know, the sooner they get their butts out and quit uh, annoying everybody, the better, because they're not helping things. It's all a disunifying factor. And it brings me to question how much of this is actually organic and how much of it is being fomented by outside forces that want people to fight with each other and get nowhere. Mm, that's always the scene. But, I mean, the flesh and blooders versus the ones who are believing in the woo, I mean, it, it, 
That is. So a- see, there's there's a thing right there, Dave. Not to cut you off. I'm sorry, brother. No, but go right ahead. This is important. We got one. There night. shouldn't there shouldn't be a dichotomy there. Why is there suddenly a line on one side saying we believe in flesh and blood, and the other side saying we believe in the woo? When did it become divided down the middle? Why can't you believe point. in both? Great point. And it's and you're right. It shouldn't be an argument whatsoever. There's no. And it's the same thing with uh, they're a giant ape in the woods crowd versus that there's some kind of a relic hominid people in the woods. They're lining up on both sides to fight each other and squabble over that. Who cares? They're out there. We need to get information on them. Go out and get it. Well, I think the big argument on that is we're coming to a close here on this segment. I think the big argument there is, you know, people just don't want to open up their minds to either side. And when you're dealing with a creature that realistically, we don't even know if it truly exists, even though we've seen it. Okay. We don't know what it is. We have no Mm -hmm. clue. And therefore you can't jump to conclusions saying, you know what it is when you don't super Duke from world Bigfoot radio. One of the best when it comes to breaking down the cryptids. That's why we got him here for the cryptid report. We got him till the top of the hour here on space down radio. Stay tuned. Super Duke. Super Duke. We'll be back on the mighty SOR right after this. You demand, Super Duke. You demand. I got some giant reports, including a recent one from right here in Montana. Mm, Giants. (laughs) But I'm going to go have a super sig here for a second. I'll be right back. Hey, Crave Dog Ollie. How you doing, man? <coughs> hmm. Good to see you. Uh, uh, there is drone footage. Footage I've seen helicopter footage of a Sasquatch. Uh, there is one out on TikTok right now, st- Steam Train Mark. But all you see is like the top of a head moving. Hard to see if it's actually a Sasquatch or a person walking through the forest. Super Duke. Super Duke. Good times, my man. Good times. All in fun. Hope you guys have all had a great night tonight. I know I have. Been a good show. Been a very good show. Thank you, Asimov. 
There he is. Number 32 in your program, starting in goal for Team Sweden from Lulea, Lars Janssen. If you haven't already, give us a thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs sideways. Still nearly 200 people watching. Hit subscribe. Ring that bell if you have it already. Marquise Williams. Marquise Williams. That was our guest name. Lars, I know that makes you laugh every time. I know... Uh, I know that makes you laugh. comes i can hear him super duke super duke we love our super duke <laughs> i can see your comment there bomber uh it's going. called purple conditioner purple uh isn't it lulea isn't it lulea <laughs> sweden or is it lule no uh Matthias Olin was from Lulea, Sweden. Yeah, Brown D, I'm not going to be able to have dreadlocks, dreadlocks down to the ground like you it's have. It's not lully. Oh. Michael, hey. We have about 45 seconds. Cool, cool. Super Duke, Super Duke. Super Dave, I, Super I, Dave. My goal this weekend with, with having some time off is I'm going to change a couple of the themes here, including <laughs> Super Duke. Ugh, excuse me. <clears throat> if you actually want me to record a sound bite of saying, you damn sister Jackies, get off my lawn. You know, I could do that. Oh, yeah. I, I will need that. So if you want to record that for me, that'd be great. You long-haired hippies from the forest, get off my lawn! Here we go. Rounded third, we're heading for home tonight on Spaced Out Radio. My name is Dave Scott. Thank you so much for joining us. Very much appreciate it. Want to remind you that if you miss portions of this show or others, check out our free archives at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, 
and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. We continue on with the cryptid report from World Bigfoot Radio. Joining us weekly, Super Duke Sullivan, the man, the myth, and the cryptid legend himself. Duke, welcome back. Hey, everybody. And uh, happy birthday to Pixie Laura and Chat, who's at her birthday here in a few minutes. So, happy birthday. Very nice. Very nice. All right, what do you got for us, my man? You always got some interesting stories for us. Yeah, this this one uh, creeps me out because it's right here where I live instead of way up there in British Columbia where they could plague you all the time. No, no, I got to be stuck with them here too. So you remember the last time I was on, I was talking about that native tribe that had this appeasement deal with the local giant. Yes. They would give him X number of buffalo every so often and in return he wouldn't eat them. And then they didn't have... Between all too early mornings and way too late nights, putting out fires and firing off new ideas, you deserve to be rewarded for growing your business. That's why American Express Blue Business Plus gives you two times membership rewards points on your first $50,000 in purchases per year. It's rewards that make running your business even more rewarding. Terms apply. Learn more at AmericanExpress.com slash blue dash business dash plus. Amex Blue Business Plus. Built for business by American Express. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a world. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner have any buffalo because white man was getting rid of all of them so they tried to substitute beef cattle which i'm presuming they were wrestling and apparently he didn't like the beef cattle either and so he just said enough of this there's too many people around here too many white men moving in i'm moving to the mountains up north now if you their presumption according to their legend is that there's this other small mountain range just north of there but if you think about in their terms of movement capacity and what constitutes too close, my guess is that isn't where he went. He went a lot further north and west and probably into the Rocky Mountains. And that's one of the reasons people keep seeing them up here. Because remember, at that time, buffalo may have been depleted down there, but there was still plenty of them over here and big mountains with no annoying white man living there yet. So my guess is he came up here. And this could either be a sighting of him or some other relative of his because this one happened recently here in Montana. Uh, the witness said um, he wouldn't give the exact location, but he said it, it was about a two-hour drive from Polson here in Montana. And then when he got to his spot, it was an hour hike in to get to this little river. Now, this guy's a trout fisherman, and he was there to do some trout fishing. And, you know, even though there's a whole lot of river and not a lot of people in Montana, the trout fishermen are kind of weird about making sure nobody else finds their spot because that's the best spot, damn it. So he didn't let anybody know where this was. He went there, and this is during the summer. It was nice and hot, and unfortunately for trout fishing, you don't really want conditions like that. They're a cold-water fish. So his usual area wasn't very hot. He figured the water was too warm there, so he'd try working his way up river. Maybe there was some cooler water up up river where it was, you know, closer to the mountains and yada, yada, yada. So over the course of a couple hours, he worked his way further up river and was fishing all these little holes along the way. And he said the scenery started changing because normally in in Montana, the scenery is pretty spectacular anyway. But this started looking like the lost world, these big craggy rocks and, 
everything had this outsized look to it, like too big for humans to be there. Kind of a lot like what my research area looks like. So I immediately got it when he started talking about that. Like, yeah, we don't look like we're the right scale. Everything else is too big. And he, he said, then he started getting this creepy feeling, not that something was watching him, but just that he didn't belong there. Just like he was in the wrong place. He was out of place. He shouldn't be there. But he found this nice little pool and it, and it looked like, it would be pretty good there. So he worked his way up past a little bit more. And the river was pretty wide there. And, you know, it got fairly deep. And he had never been up there before. So he waded out as far as he dared, started casting his line. And he was maybe about halfway out in the middle of the river. And he started hearing this noise from behind him. And he turned back and looked over his right shoulder. And over there, there was this tremendous crashing sound. And the treetops were literally shaking. Not like something was shaking a tree, but like something was walking between them, pushing the trees out of the way. And these are 50, 60 foot trees. So now he's a little alarmed about this and he starts figuring maybe he should see if he can actually get across the river to the far side of it. But of course, he's never been up here before. So he doesn't know if there's any deep drop offs or anything. And you got hip waders on. If you get submerged, you get sucked under and you're going to drown. So he's working his way across as fast as he can actually dare. And right about then, he hears this tremendous crash. He turns back and looks over his shoulder, and there's this thing stepping out from the trees looking at him. And according to his description, he said it looked like a literal giant. It was half as tall as the 50-foot trees it was standing next to. It had a patchwork garment of about a dozen elk skins that had cobbled together, covering it from the waist down. He said it turned and looked at him, its eyes locked on him, they were the size of pumpkins, and he immediately felt total terror. It opened its mouth, and it made a sound that was so loud that it was the only time in his life he could actually feel it. Well, this guy's never been to a Motorhead concert, apparently. But he said it made the no noise so loud it shook his chest cavity. And uh, he realized as it was saying it, it was actually saying something that he recognized, but really deep voice and really long and drawn out. And it just said, go. It then proceeded to wrench a two-ton boulder out of the shoreline and tossed it at him. Oh, my. Now, at this point, he was starting to not give a rat's patoot about his $500 fly fishing rod. So he discarded that and just made for shore, hoping that he wouldn't step in a deep depression and get sucked under. Apparently, the boulder missed him by about 30 feet. It hit the bottom. And uh, the shrapnel from the rocks that it broke loose or broke loose from it sprayed all over him. And he had all kinds of little injuries all over him uh, after he got out of there. Little pieces of rock had cut him up. And uh, he looked back and it was still looking at him and it was picking up another boulder. So he beat it up the, the bank as fast as he could. And as he was going into the tree line, another boulder landed behind him, splattered him with mud. And he ran about 30, 40 feet into the tree line, tripped on a root and went down on his face. Kind of a you know, bad time for that to happen. But as it turned out, he got up and immediately looked back as like, wouldn't you? <laughs> and it wasn't pursuing him. It was turning around, walking back off into the woods again. So at that point, he just made, hightailed it down the river and went back to his vehicle and was like, who am I going to tell about this? Nobody's going to believe me. And if I tell them to just go out and mess with this thing anyway, and it could have killed me and it didn't, clearly just wants to be left alone. I think I'm just not going to go back there again. And I'm not going to report this to the police or anybody else. And so that's what happens with most of these reports. These things are happening, but they're so far outside what anybody's willing to believe, nobody will report them. 
I believe that. I believe that. But, Duke, a 25-foot creature, like a giant. We're not talking Sasquatch here. We're talking like no, a giant. No, no, this is a literal giant. Yeah, he said just like out of an old uh, fairy tale or something, just like you would picture out of an old cartoon or fairy tale or something. That's what it looked like. It had the caveman clothes it stitched together from about a dozen elk hides. And, you know, this kind of stuff is being found. Now, there's another report that I got. Um, this is an older one from the 1930s where they had found, this is in Tennessee, a farmer there had been digging and dug up some ancient stone tools. Well, of course, you know, every so often they dig up ancient stone tools. No big deal. Well, this is two very peculiar ones. One of them was an obsidian dagger, double-edged, 20 inches long. And the other one was a stone axe head. Said stone axe head, you know, most stone axe heads fairly crude. They're only putting one edge on it. This one is double-bladed. It had an edge on both sides of it, which is peculiar to start with. And it weighed 60 pounds. Who's using a 60-pound axe head, Dave? That's a little bit outside the Not range me, of man. normal human. Paul Bunyan? <laughs> Not me either. Paul no, Bunyan? Yeah, yeah, Paul Bunyan. Maybe that was Paul Bunyan's axe. But again, here's this weird anomaly. And then a couple years later, about four miles away from there, another farmer was trying to build um, a pig shed. He had a big chunk of rock that overshot the ground and had a hollow underneath it. And God knows how long that had been there. So it was just kind of convenient because it was part of a roof. So he was just going to extend that a little bit and let his pig stay in there. And while he was messing around with it, he started uncovering bones. So he called the local antiquarian who went and recorded it and uh, took measurements and everything. And first off, all the bones were very peculiar because although it was laid out in the normal fashion of the Native Americans, which is facing toward the uh, the east, I guess, the uh, bones were, they had like some kind of a white powder on them. And as soon as you would touch it, it would just kind of disappear which was strange. Secondly, they didn't show any sign that the corpse had actually been interred there while there was flesh on it. Even though it was laid out like it had been articulated, there was no sign in the soil of black or brown, which you get from the flesh rotting away. So there was no sign that it ever had any flesh on it. Third thing that was peculiar about it is it was eight foot, nine inches tall. Fourth thing that was peculiar about it is it had a very strange-looking skull with a very big, robust jaw. The skull circumference was 30 inches. That's two and a half feet around. And the jaw appeared to be fused to the skull, like it wouldn't move up and down. So they couldn't figure that one out either, and it could have been some kind of a calcification or something that occurred later on. But they didn't seem to think so. They thought it just looked like that. So how this thing was ever eating or anything is also just bizarre, you know. So... (laughs) There's, there's these weird reports from all over the place. And then you go to the native legends. And, of course, we talked uh, before about Lovelock Cave. Here's the actual, the short version of the story from uh, Princess Sarah Winnemucca herself, 1883, Life Among the Paiutes. She says, among the traditions of our people is one of the small tribes of barbarians who used to live along the Humboldt River. It was many hundred years ago. They used to waylay my people and kill and eat them. She's talking about the red-haired giants here. They would dig large holes in our trails at night, and if any of our people traveled at night, which they did, for they were afraid of these barbarous people, they would oftentimes fall into these holes. So they're making pit traps. That tribe would even eat their own dead. Yes, they would even come and dig up our dead after they were buried and would carry them off and eat them. 
Now and then they would come and make war on my people. They would fight, and as fast as they killed one another on either side, the women would carry off those who were killed. My people say they were very brave. When they were fighting, they would jump up in the air after the arrows that went over their heads and shoot the same arrows back again. My people took some of them into their families, but they could not make them uh, like themselves, so at last they made war on them. The war lasted a long time. Their number was about 2,600. The war lasted three years. My people killed them in great numbers, and what few were left went into the thick bush. My people set the bush on fire. This is right above Humboldt Lake. Then they went to work and made uh, Thule or Bulrush boats and went into Humboldt Lake. Apparently they had like a little floating island out there that they were living on. But they could not live there very long without fire. They were nearly starving. My people were watching them from all around the lake and would kill them as fast as they would come on land. At last one night, they all landed on the east side of the lake and went into a cave near the mountains. It was a horrible place. For my people watched at the mouth of the cave and would kill them as they came out to get water. My people would ask them if they would be like us and not eat people like coyotes or beasts. They talked the same language, but they would not give up their, their customs. At last, my people were tired, and they went to work and gathered wood and began to fill up the mouth of the cave. The poor fools in the cave began to pull the wood inside till the cave was full. At last, my people set it on fire. At the same time, they cried out to them, Will you give up and be like men and not eat people like beasts? Say quick, we'll put out the fire. No answer came from them. My people said they thought the cave must be very deep or far into the mountain. They had never seen the cave nor known it was there until then. They called out to them as loud as they could, Will you give up? Say so, or you will all die. But no answer came. Then they all left the place. Ten days later, some went back to see if the fire had gone out. They went back uh, to my third or fifth great-grandfather and told him that they must all be dead. There was such a horrible smell there. The tribe were called people eaters, and after my people had killed them all, the people around us called my tribe Sedokara. It means conqueror. I do not know how we came by the name of Paiutes. It's not an Indian word. I think it's misinterpreted. Sometimes we are called pine nut eaters, for we're the only tribe that lives in the country where the pine nuts grow. My people say the tribe we exterminated had reddish hair. I have some of their hair, which has been handed down from father to son. I have a dress, which has been in our family a great many years, trimmed with this reddish hair. I'm, she says, I'm going to wear it sometime when I lecture. It's called the morning dress, and no one has such a dress but my family. So there you go from Princess Winnemucca herself. They had a war with them, to kill 2,600 of them. Wow. Wow. That's, yeah, the, the, big, the big finale was Love Lock Cave. The war had been going on for three years already by then. That's a lot of flesh and blood. A lot of flesh and blood. A lot of weird fighting. Another report, interesting report that came from Kentucky was of, uh, and this one is fairly recent. This was back, uh, I want to say 1980s, if I remember right. There's four guys out there, and they they had a hunting shack out there, and they were going to go hunting. And the first night they got there, the weather was just terrible. So, and it's night, so can't hunt anyway. So they went in the hunting shack, and they cranked up the fireplace, and they're sitting around playing cards and raising a, a, a ruckus. And they heard this incredibly loud howl, roaring sound coming from outside. So, of course, being hunters, and they all have 12 gauges, they grabbed all their guns and went running out to see what it was. And it's still raining and lightning and thundering and stuff. And at some point, one of the flashes of lightning, they can see this thing. It's only about 40, 50 feet away from them. It's got white fur. It's about 10 feet tall. And it's standing there looking at them. 
So, of course, they all shoot it. All of them open up on it at the same time. And there were more lightning flashes going on, so they could see what was happening, plus the gunfire, of course, illuminates things. And as they fired at it, they said it didn't fall over dead. It just faded away. And they couldn't believe what they were seeing. But now completely spooked, they went back into the shack and stayed there for the night. In the morning, they went out to see if they could find any tracks or blood or anything, this weird thing that they shot that just faded away. And when they got back to where it was, there was no blood and there was no tracks, but there was four dead pigs there, which had been crushed and had their throats cut. Incredible. Now they're getting a little bit spooked, needless to say, although they're tough hunter guys. So they went out and did their hunting thing, and they came back. And uh, that night, again, the weird howling sound. So once again, they went running out to see what it was. Now this time it wasn't storming, and there was starlight. So they could actually see this thing. And they ran up until they got close to it, repeated process with the same result. It just flat out vanished. And again, the next morning they came back to look at the spot. No tracks, no blood, and one more dead crushed pig with its throat cut. This time they did find a couple tracks. I, I correct myself. This time they did find a couple tracks around where where this thing was, which they said were gigantic, vaguely human-shaped, and they had three toes. That this sounds, is why that, I say you should that, always... That sounds be, more like an ogre, man, than a, than a Sasquatch. Yeah, yeah, that could be a Champe. It could be a Gugwe or something like, you know, Champe have a, supposedly have abilities like that, so it could have been a Champe. But, uh, you know, so this is why I say you need to be really careful when you're going into a new area of what could potentially could be in there. It could be anything. You know, there's always rumors about GMO things that get away from the government, too. Those could be wandering around the woods. You don't know what's out there, so take precautions to, to you know, keep yourself from getting instantly killed or jumped by something. And, uh, you know, have, be aware of where you're at and how, how to get back out again. So you don't get hopelessly lost. That just helps the monsters. Oh, I, I hear you. We got two and a half minutes to go here. You know, when you when you take some reports like that, how much stock do you put into them and their historic value that they're true or not? Uh, it depends on the source. My general rule for any of that stuff is trust but verify. Initially, I'll believe, you know, you're telling me what you witnessed or whatever. That doesn't mean it's necessarily what happened. It's their impression of what happened. Maybe their brain was making them think it was something other than what it actually was. And, you know, when people are panicked, they can do that sort of thing. So you always got to take that into account. But in general, if people tell me they saw some really weird thing, I tend to believe them because I know too many people that have saw these really weird things. And some of them have pictures to prove it, too. You know, so uh, it's it's really hard for me to discount something like that. And a lot of these old reports, especially the ones, um, the really old ones that match up with the descriptions and stuff of Bigfoot, it's really hard to discount them because they're talking about things that were not common knowledge until well into the 1960s that there was any public knowledgeability to be about there being a Bigfoot or anything like that. Before that, nobody really had any idea about it unless you lived in, you know, British Columbia. So that there were these reports from the early 1800s, even late 1700s over in the, the East Coast 
of what are obviously identifiable Bigfoot, where were they getting this from? You know, Daniel Boone, Davy Crockett. They both got Bigfoot reports. Everybody everybody seems to have known that these things were real. They were seeing them, you know. Very true. One minute to go, Super Duke. Well, actually about one twenty to go. Let everybody know where they can find World Bigfoot Radio. Oh, you can come on over and find me on uh, my favorite place to be is MeWe, no censorship and no stealing your data. And there's some really great people over there. Come on over to that platform. If you're stuck in a rut and you want to be on Facebook, I'm on uh, Montana Bigfoot Project and World Bigfoot Radio. It's kind of like just to notify you when I got stuff coming out. Montana Bigfoot Project, go there, give your reports. Uh, Some of the people that are guests on my channel actually work as mods over there because they're freaking amazing. And they can take your reports and tell you what's going on, too, just as well as I can. And you can find my show on YouTube, Brighty on Rumble, BitChute, and Odyssey for all the video platforms. And I'm looking at actually establishing a foothold on Twitter here pretty soon, too. So there you go. I appreciate you, my man. It's always a good time with you here, Super Duke, on Spaced Out Radio. And uh, we will talk to you in a couple of nights' time. Yes, sir. I'll make sure I got something good and riveting for for Thursday, Thursday. the last report of the year. Oh, Maybe yeah. I'll try and find it what I think is the best report of the year, and I'll give you that one on Thursday. How's that sound? That sounds perfect, my man. That okay. sounds perfect. That's why we appreciate Love you. Love you really. guys. Love you, Dave. Love Take you too, care, everybody. Super Duke from World Bigfoot Radio once again. Make sure you check out his channel on YouTube, Rumble, BitChute. Thank you to Swamp Dweller and to Marquise Williams for being just a real special guest tonight. We got Mr. Ron Bumblefoot Thal rocking in the background with Little Brother is watching. Bumblefoot is the official music of Spaced Out Radio. Rocking us in and out of every single show. Get your horns up for the guitar god himself. Special thanks to everybody listening in at home, at work, in your cars, wherever you may be. Thank you to everyone in our chat rooms tonight. YouTube, Twitch, LGAP, Facebook, Spreaker, the Space Travelers Club, and on Twitter at hashtag SpacedOutRadio. Remember, this show is copyright by Spaced Out Radio and SOR Media Ventures Limited. Thank you so much for choosing to share your evening with us. Because together, my friends, we're watching. We own the night. Mr. Bumblefoot, we need a favor. We need you to take us home. Yes, the Wu train has docked for the night. But soon, my friends, we shall ride again. Your seats are always available. Your tickets never expire. And if you want to bring a friend, we've got room for them, too. Good night.
Between all too early mornings and way too late nights, putting out fires and firing off new ideas, you deserve to be rewarded for growing your business. That's why American Express Blue Business Plus gives you two times membership rewards points on your first $50,000 in purchases per year. It's rewards that make running your business even more rewarding. Terms apply. Learn more at AmericanExpress.com slash Blue dash Business dash Plus. Amex Blue Business Plus. Built for business by American Express. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.